0: Support for Zapped to the Past is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million satisfied men worldwide who can trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. That's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ZAPPED. 20. That's Z A P P E D 20 at manscaped.com. Now if my maths is correct, that's about 8 million balls. In a world
1: of fantasy,
2: and welcome to episode 73 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week we looked at our first batch of games from issue 33 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with. And we were jarred by Jack the Nipper 2, dulled by Driller and Bored by Basil the Great Mouse Detective. This week, we continue our look at the games in January 1987, along with what was also going on in the UK albums that month. So, Graham, inform us of the order of events for this week.
0: In this famous Michelin star a la carte restaurant taster menu, including a terrapin egg bathed in seagull beak bubble compote, refried horse eyelid glazed with smoothed puffin wax icing, thrice folded slightly warmed narwhal fin served with cuckoo spit foam reduction and crushed wasp and excess liposuction remnant ice cream of an episode, we take to the polygon-filled skies in the wake of a legend as we explore the multitude of blocky aircraft renditions in the somewhat chuggy Chuck Yeager's Advanced Flight Trainer, Fly and blast slowly through the intense alien sine wave attack patterns in the more demo-less game logic-infused and somewhat misnamed radius. Try your hand at some less-than-classic non-sports such as sack racing, plate balancing and pole climbing in the nice-looking but otherwise funless alternative world games. And scoot around yet another maze full of dirt, this time in the guise of three robots looking for frozen gingerbread men in the familiar... Survivors. If that last course of Mint Air Freshener on Toast didn't get your taste buds high-fiving, and the next course of Oven Battled Land Crab in Oily Ant Coup de Gras has enlarged your eyeballs to stomach size, we also get our flickery Tetronomos in a row and explore the unusually arty and hypnotic world of the C64 version of Tetris. Take to the Vector Skies again, in yet another helicopter simulation, this time taking on the varied but unconnected missions in the oddly suggestive Thunder Chopper. Explore the odd fusion of fruit machine and multi-choice questions in the Cheap and Cheerful Trivial Fruit, Sprint left and right while spurting mid-level only flames at a whole bunch of odd enemies in the very tight corridors of Trantor, the last stormtrooper, before finally running, jumping and throwing our way through a classic arcade conversion, albeit four years too late to the party, in the impressive track and field. Another mixed bag of titles. 1988 has started out reasonably well, though I'm still seeing some fork in the eye one frame per second dullness. Bah! Away with you, demon. Nice. Okay, that's games. That's some games to look at.
2: It was a problematic week. We found it was a problematic week. I think there's something to do with the heat. Something was going wrong. There was lots, lots of, stuff, of heat. Lots of heat this week. Um, too much. It was too much hot. heat. It was very yes, it hot was. this week, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> it? Hit about forty-five degrees in my office. I'm like, uh, that's that's quite warm. That my uh, <laughs> computer started to fail. Oh good um, lord! It, f- it, it started. To, I know it started. It felt like an. It felt like watching Tron. It was all getting a bit derezzed <laughs> in my office. So.
2: Oh no. Should have given it an orange and it could have sucked the orange in and taken the juice out of it and cooled it down.
0: <laughs> hair goes nothing, Here goes something or whatever it is he says. Yeah, whatever
2: gibberish he says, yeah. Yes, yes. Um,
0: but yeah, it's been very
2: hot this week. So I think that has either affected something because we had trouble getting some of these games to work for both of us. So we'll do the best yep. we can. We had, it yep. is what it is. Um, but there you go. So yeah, it's been hot, but there you go. I'm still being haunted by my pigeon. That's still cooing away.
0: The heat didn't it's get rid of it. It's still out there, is it? It's still out there singing Robert Palmer at me. Told so you what to do. Get a great big fist-sized <laughs> rock and smash it to pieces. It's on the roof. I it's feel not, if yeah, I try to it's climb up on friendly, the roof. It's not neighbor-friendly, but...
2: No, if I try to climb up on the roof, then I feel I've got death awaiting. You don't know,
0: need to climb up there. You, know, you don't need point blank. You've got to, you know, just <laughs> aim with a rock. I mean, it's not hard. Just hit, hit, the, hit the nest. It's <laughs> no the end of that. Just a, just a pigeon. I don't yeah, think well, have maybe, a, maybe a high-velocity bb maybe gun do. might do the trick <laughs> i'm not killing the pigeon just for singing a it's f- a free
2: world. <laughs> what, well if, if it was tranto style it was anything below knee height i wouldn't be able to hit it um but we'll come to keep on cooing in the free world <laughs> <laughs> flamethrower. not anymore you're not i'd <laughs> do it not on my uh, watch <laughs> <laughs> oh, you no know, not on a watch oh god anyway um we've done the cover should we just get into some games and just get get let's on let's do this? this let's do let's this let's do thing. this let's get into the first one then Graham, you had the thorough pleasure of going all out in Chuck Yeager's Advanced Flight Trainer. How did you find it?
0: I actually went and did, didn't I? Chuck Yeager's Advanced Flight Trainer. Good old Chuck Yeager. Brigadier General Charles Elwood Yeager, to you and me. Born in 1923, Mm. February the 13th. Sadly passed away December the 7th, 2020. Good innings that. Um, He was a a United States Air Force officer, flying ace, and record-setting test pilot who in 1947, became the first pilot in history confirmed to have exceeded the speed of sound in level flight. That is pretty cool, isn't it? It is pretty cool. He's referred to by many as one of the greatest pilots of all time and was ranked fifth. That's not the greatest pilot of all time, but I'm just saying. I I didn't decide that. Um, And ranked fifth (laughs) on on flying's list of the 51 heroes of aviation in 2013. Throughout his life, he flew more than 360 different types of aircraft over a seventy-year period. Now that is a long time in the air, isn't it? Um, and yeah. continued to fly for two decades. Goodness me, that guy could fly uh, He's got after a very retirement. Tired arms, <laughs> absolutely. Boy, were his arms tired? <laughs> um, hey. as, after retirement, as a consultant pilot for the United States Air Force, Chuck Yeager is a incredible guy in terms of that kind of stuff. Okay, just establishing that in the UK, at this time probably no one's ever heard of him. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. I'd, I'd never had when I was back in 1988. I'd never heard of Chuck Yeager. I remember seeing this game advertised thinking, was Chuck Yeager? Turns out he's a crazy, crazy talented flying ace. Anyway, so this game allows a player to test pilot 14 different types of aeroplane, including the Bell X-1, which uh, Chuck Yeager had piloted to become the first man to exceed Mach 1. So that's the one he broke the sound barrier in. That's oh, incredible impressive. stuff. Um, this game is embellished by Chuck Yeager's iconic um, and laconic commentary. So... I, don't, I wouldn't say it was any of those things. I think he just comes up with sarcastic comments about if you don't fly very well. So if you crash your plane, you get kind of, you know, you screwed the pooch on that one, or you're not doing very well, or what was that crap? Get out of that airplane, you stupid arsehole. <laughs> so um, in this game, you can fly uh, 11 real aircraft, that not obviously real aircraft, but uh, simulations of real aircraft, and well, yeah. three experimental aircraft that were designed by the developers of the game. So not real ones then, just made up shit. <laughs> um,
2: uh, <laughs> so, it sounds like homer's car to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it looks like the fictional experimental aircraft in this were named after the people who worked on them so obviously there's the i okay. crash a lot johnson's crash a lot plane <laughs> there's the smash into mountain jet fighter now i'm not joking the real aircraft in this are the bell x1 the cessna 172 the douglas x3 stiletto the General Dynamics F sixteen, the Fighting Falcon. The F sixteen is a very famous airplane, isn't it? The Lockheed SR seventy one Blackbird, amazing Ooh, aircraft. Rough. That crazy. I have to have a model that, hanging, from
2: my, hanging from my ceiling.
0: So did I, and I think every teenage guy about sort of around our age. I think we all had some of these. Uh-huh. Um, I also did. You have the F A eighteen Hornet, the McDonnell Douglas F A eighteen Hornet. If you did, that's another one. The North Possibly. American P fifty one Mustang. I thought that was a car. Don't fly so good. The Piper P eight twenty eight Cherokee. The Sopwith Camel. Goodness me, the Sopwith Camel. You hadn't flown one of them before. Um, Maybe me. The Spad SX-3. Spad? (laughs) The the Spad. The S-P-A-D, the Spad. And these good old Spad. SPAD, The Flying Spad. And uh, the (laughs) Supermarine Spitfire, of course, the Spitfire. The amazing, legendary Spitfire. And the Experimental Aircraft. These aren't named as excitingly as those. The Grace Industries XPG-12 Samurai. Okay. The Hillman Limited xr h4 mad dog mm. that sounds the like a learner and the, it does and the learn aeronautics xnl16 instigator okay <laughs> that sounds like something else <laughs> so this game is a simulate a flight simulation game in 3d um or filled 3d ish and um, we can either plot, you know fly any of those real aircraft in sort of ways or you can fly the experimental ones it's presented in extendo load what i call extendo load which is where it's all disk based, so it takes forever to do anything it seems to take ages to load stuff in this. Yeah, um, So it takes a good while from putting the disc in and saying load, typing in load, you know, uh, whatever it is, and going from that to sort of, you know, the, the image of Chuck Yeager that appears, which I admittedly is okay. The graphics of that loading screen are quite good. Although I thought it looked more like George Peppard in the A-Team, really, than Chuck <laughs> Yeager, but okay. Did he have a plan? Um, he had a cigar and, he, you know, his things always come together, don't they? Anyway, yeah. so once you get past that, you start with your options, which are intro flight test flight airplane racing formation flying and flight instruction so those are the options to control the things in this game intro flight is just a demo which you can watch now that had me full for a while that because i thought that might be your first attempt at flying it just started in your <laughs> out it's not you're just watching some somebody fly the plane it took a while for me to figure that out because i was controlling it, going you're not going the way i want stupid <laughs> yeah. stupid me um, but it gives a good taste of how this game runs, which is slowly and jerkily. So get used to that. Uh, in mm-hmm. test flight mode, you can pretty much chop and change between aircraft. So all the 16 scenarios, and by pressing the Commodore key, it brings up a menu, which you can then alter to change into different airplanes. Out of all the airplanes you can fly, so you can try different ones and fly around in them. Exciting, that? Mm. What you'll quickly realize is that they're different shapes, flying over a depressingly slow landscape of nothing. But we'll come to that. <laughs> um, airplane racing is a one-on-one flight race in which... Uh, In there's five different scenarios and you need to follow a target line and aim for the gates to fly through. Your time is clocked as you do. Yeah. These all sound really exciting. They are nothing like this in the game. Nothing. Formation flying which I found was the most confusing thing of all time. Um, (laughs) See, You've got to fly, obviously in formation with another jet fighter, but the only key you've got really to fly to is a vapor trail behind the lead aircraft, which I kind of found next to impossible to figure out what the hell I was doing. I would think my version of formation flying would have been more exciting because I was well out of formation. I was all over the place. I was angering the other pilots. I don't doubt that. This is like if one of the red arrows just shot off and did his own thing for a while and sort of flew around and just dangerously close to the aircraft going, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. That would be my, I think that's more exciting. And then this flight instruction, which is the most complex of all of the things where you receive basic advanced or um, fancy aeronautical manoeuvre tuition. What this actually means in reality is trying to control the small square cursor reticule thing inside a moving box, which is A- horrible to do and b not fun at all because all the fun of flying is taken away because it just feels like you're just trying to control a box inside a box not very nice that so i attempted that quite a few times i can tell you now it didn't really end well in any of those situations um and you can actually um that and the formation flying you can it records those things and you can replay them back if you're feeling really sadistic and you want to see what happens if an idiot gets in control of a (laughs) SR31 SR Blackbird or whatever it was in my instance it it didn't end well didn't end well for anyone that so i in that particular on the flight instruction i never knew exactly what i was doing at any point and apart from anything else i just didn't realize how crap i was at this game or how crap i was going to be at any of these events and that's just kind of that re, that refreshing recording was kind of a reminder of how crap i am so it's like a, it's like someone recording you at your worst and going hey watch this this is how crap you were so it was like crap cam for me It wasn't really good <laughs> Um, there's 10 viewpoints in the game as well, which is things like forward forward with controls, forward without controls. There's a whole plane view from the back. You can, there's a map option as well where you can, there's a nine times zoom on any of these screens. So you can just zoom in for reasons of mathematical improbability. I'm thinking for, I'm not sure why you'd need to zoom nine times into the cockpit of a plane from six miles away, but you can if you, do, if you want to do that. So look, all of this is all kind of moot. So this is a game with what is leveraged as 3D filled in graphics it's a it's filled it's filled in 3d so it's like i suppose it's flying freescape now freescape wasn't known for its great speed and neither is this neither is this at all so okay look ambition is good in uh, i think ambition is a good thing in games i think it is and we all know like that later down the line flight simulators and derivatives of this kind of thing become mega popular we all know that i mean even games like diddy kong racing and things like that have have a kind of a, a fun flight sort of vehicle in there you can fly around and so there's mileage in that kind of Fun stunt flying, flying about. We saw this in that. What was that previous game that we saw where you could fly a stunt plane around? Oh, the God microprose knows. one. Um, well, oh, it was acro- a little tiny plane. Acro- 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 so, so we know there's mileage in this kind of thing, but and there's probably loads of people that might like this. It's interesting, really. I suppose that in this issue of Zap, we've got Driller with its free scapiness and now we've got Chuck Yeager in the kind of flying freescape, I suppose. Really, so it's that kind of filled in poly geometric 3d it's it's clearly on the radar of the games designers at this point and the programmers and other publishers ea is also kind of famous for its ambitious and pushing the envelope of games on the c64 it's done that quite a lot in its time hasn't it ea no they've been responsible for quite a few things that are a little bit out there and i admire all of that i do but i don't feel the revolution of any of that when i'm chugging through the boring 8-bit sky in what looks like a play school model of an airplane made out of boxes Fairy liquid bottles and double sided sticky tape for speed. Nor do I get particularly fizzy when I'm juddering painfully over a series of large 3D blocks on what I guess is the ground. It is impressive that back in 1988, this was even a notion that somebody had. And crunching those numbers into the C64 and the CPU inside of it is just bonkers. It's bonkers. But unless you can suspend your disbelief to one frame a second and you're happy with blocky geometric shapes as your kind of, you know, your background for this game. This isn't going to start any fires if you're not happy with that kind of suspension disbelief. You've really got to let that go. Mm -hmm. And for me, it made no difference if it was turbo speed or God knows what, or propeller driven or whatever the airplane was that it was flying, whatever technique, whatever plane it was, it wasn't any fun at all. And it was too slow, simple as. Um, I think the killer thing here is that this is simply out of the realms of realistic achievability on the hardware of the C64. It is hopelessly outgunned. Even the demo coders of today are only just pushing speedy 3D around the screens of a C64. And they've been at it for 20 years. Um, So it's not like it's outside of the gaming context for gaming later on. But this is just not possible, really. Field in poly 3D on a C64, no matter how you try and code that, it's always going to be slow and ploddy and unforgiving. And I just don't think it's how the C64 machine was conceived. I think it's based on that old arcade idea of hardware sprites, scrolling backgrounds, And simpler arcade style logic, simpler arcade style logic. So, this is not a CPU that's going to push a lot of maths around at speed. And this is just simply proof. It is not the C64's forte. It is not. Freescape proved it. And I I get it. You're relying on lots of people's ability to let that go. And and maybe there's people out there. But for me, this leaves this game in the parking lot of ambitious ideas for me. If you can handle the slowness of this and you like other flight sims that are like kind of chuggy, maybe the vector ones or whatever maybe there's something here. I have nor never will get excited by things like this. I just don't. It's a technological lesson for me about hardware limitations and what they look like on a machine that is not capable of delivering the mathematic dexterity required to deliver filled poly 3d it simply is so i mean apparently chuck chuck jaeger was an advisor on this game all the way through and i can imagine he was when he saw it he's probably blown away by what he saw because it would have been a miraculous thing in 1988 to see this kind of thing moving around like wow Mm -hmm. is that really no is that an airplane And i get all that it's futuristic stuff and all love to chuck aside this is not and it would never will be a thing that excites me because I just see it as limitations. I just see hardware problems and I see slowness and chuggy graphics and boring. And I want to like these things a little bit, but move me to an Amiga, move me to co- you know the computers of more modern CPUs and okay, I'll be a bit more forgiving, but the C64, do sprites, do graphics like that, do shoot em ups, do stuff that it's great at and um, when it's really applied, don't do chugging nasty 3D garbage like this because I find it horribly frustrating whether you're trying to aim for the stars and shooting for the moon or whatever you're trying to do, I'm sorry, you're missing me I'm the target. I am not your target audience for this game. But what about you?
2: Well, I'd like to offer a second opinion, but I couldn't get it to run. This is one of those where I had major problems. So I don't know whether it just wouldn't run on the PC version of our emulator or not. Obviously, I'm not the original. Um, I just couldn't. I tried various different cracks of it, various different downloads, non-cracks, anything. Anything I could do to try and get this to run. And I just got various disk jams and just just, 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 just hanging. And wouldn't run, so I, I can't really comment on it. What I did though is I I went off to YouTube, did the next best thing, and uh, I did some secondary research and watched a uh, the only video I could see was it from was from a German YouTuber. Um, I forget the name actually. I couldn't understand a word that was being said because it was all in German, and I don't speak German. So I had the pleasure of not, not understanding the video I was watching where somebody flew a plane around really slow motion. It was a very odd experience because I didn't like anything that I was sort of, I couldn't understand anything and I didn't like what I was seeing. It kind of just was what I was expecting, which was slow 3D kind of in the model of jet or something like that. It looked like that. I thought it was going to be like that. The video I watched with some 3D, you know, filled in some nice 3D. There is actually another video on there where somebody's running through some kind of turbo thing. And it looks very nice, very sped up, but obviously it's incredibly sped up. So, so it's not it's not representative of the real world. Um, so I don't know. I can't I can't offer a second opinion on this. I take I'm going to guess though that I'm not going to be far away from. If I had have got played this, I'm probably not going to be you know a million miles away. From where you landed, I think. I think I would probably be in the same ballpark. We said it last week about Driller. It's just the machine's not built for 3D. (laughs) It's not. Stop doing it. (laughs) It's
0: slow. Especially filled in 3D. You can barely do lines. Um... (laughs) So, uh, uh, it's, just, it's it's, just, I think it's now becoming, it's almost like they really want the machine to be able to do things that it can't do because the Amiga and the things are out there. Just do this on the Amiga then. Don't torture yeah. people on the C64 with this nonsense. Just go and do it on an Amiga, which does have the CPU power and the graphic power and everything to really push these polygons around. C64 is not for that it's just not
2: no it's not you know there are good things you can do with the C64 Filled in 3D graphics is not especially when you're running all the AI routines and the controller stuff and everything else that has to roll in that very very small window of opportunity to do anything you know it's not good because it you just know you know
0: slow slow response and everything what is, is there anything more depressing than crashing an airplane in one frame per second i find it <laughs> it's just bleak it's like do 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 death and it's like you know just <laughs> It's well, not nice, is it? I mean, it like fil- nice sounds like a film. Not nice, ever. It's a
2: film by Vim Vendors or something like that, or yeah, it is. Or show or who's that guy
0: who did a Hog Bookerite? He'd probably do it. Well, the thing is, you don't want to crash an airplane, right? If you're flying a test plane or whatever, so you'll be pulling mm-hmm. up on the joystick. But you know that no matter what you do, your controls are not going to operate quick enough for the frame and the frame rate to catch up with you to be able to do anything meaningful. So even if you try and pull up, you're going to hit the ground because it's like pull up. Mm, mm, <laughs> crash. Ah, oh, what a shame. If only, my, pulled up. if only my controls operated at maybe two frames a second, I might have survived that crash, but and then Chuck Jaeger comes along and goes, Well, you did crap there. You're like, Oh thanks, Chuck. You try flying a one frame per second jet, you bloody jet fighting fool. Absolutely. See, I mean that with all respect with frame a second. Exactly. <laughs> you won't, not you won't break the speed of Brown with that. <laughs> nobody should nobody should break that. <laughs>
2: it has been done though uh, it was a hor- it was a horrible thing people people felt the shock wave 3 miles away
0: it's a terrifying thought don't split the brown and don't uh, try and break the speed of brown uh, but uh, that's a debate for another day
2: yeah isn't that an album by bread
0: <laughs> don't split the brown yeah, or speed of brown the speed of brown it sounds in commodore 64 terms horrific
2: it really does Anyway, there we go. Uh, Chuck Yeager, I'd like to say that that's the only flight game we have this week, but I'd be lying because there's another Absolutely. one coming up later. Let's, see if that's a, let's hope that that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on into our next one. Budget lander in. Budget shooter. This is Radius. Two quid. Yeah, it's a budget shooter. There you go. Next. Okay. Yeah, on we go. <laughs> anyway, according to the back of the box, you're a good pilot. Some say the best, but no one's ever crossed the radius and lived to talk about it. So you need to take the controls in this fast, all-action, level shoot 'em up That's the back of the box. They love this Ooh. hyperbole, don't they, on the back of the box. It's so always good to buy it, I suppose. Anyway, this was coded by Mick and Ian Jones uh, and had visuals from Robert Whittaker and Mike Barham. Mike Barham went on to work on a lot of the modern Lego games. Being a designer on Lego City Undercover is okay by me. Oh, that game. Good quite, egg. Yeah, absolutely. Best GTA game there is. Um it is. Anyway, it's a budget shooter, this, and that budget has not stretched to some kind of speed module for the ship you have to control. There's only, right. so could, there's only so much they had to spend money on. And they went, well, it moves. Can we put a bit more speed in it? now? Nah, it nah. fires really long bullets. <laughs> <laughs> One at a time. Uh, uh, so what is this? This is a left to right continuous scroller uh, that owes a lot to Delta in a visual style. And the, and the way it plays because that main chip is very similar it's just you know like, del- like delta continuous left to right it just keeps on going and it keeps on going and you try and survive and as you keep going as you pilot your changing colored craft over a backdrop of various space stuff waves of aliens will appear from the right and move across the screen all you have to do is survive and make your way to the end of the game and that's it that's it you just gotta shoot everything try and survive and if you make it to the end well done there's a really crap um, ending screen to this, which I I, I had a look at elsewhere because I never got there because it's, it's there's ridiculous problems with it, so it's not really worth it. There's also um, a small, this weirdly as well um, on the title screen. It says press F five or something to play a different type of game. So you press F five. There's like a small Phoenix style mini game. It's not, kind of like Me Phoenix, where there's a where there's a you have to blast away at a constantly scrolling triple layer. Shield, so there's like three layers to shield, and they move left to right. And as you fire, it, bits drop out of it. And then you fight if you Break it through the hole of the second layer and third layer, and you blast the hole through. Um, and there's a boss lurking behind it, and you have to shoot this boss four times through the gaps that you create. And then if you do that, it resets the shield, and you repeat. I'm not quite sure what the whole point of this was. I did read somewhere that if you, I think in the review in Zap, that if you manage to beat one of the boss ships that turn up from now and again, it cuts to that game. So I don't know. I don't know how it works. Um, I didn't see it when I played it, so I just found it in that mini game bit. The problem is the shooter part of this is very barren and frustrating. There are no power ups or upgrades of any kind. And your base speed and ability to only have one bullet on screen at any one time feels like something that was intended to be upgraded, but possibly got left out during development. It feels like you're at the base level. So when you start, like in something like Zynaps or in Delta, you quickly get upgraded, and it's like they they thought, oh yeah, that's the point we're going to make this. So we'll code that. and then they forgot to code it, and either someone wanted it, no, it needs to go out. Yeah, well, we had done the upgrade, do not manage get it out, and that's what it, it feels unfinished. There are numerous backgrounds to get through. And there are even some very frustrating maze sections to try and navigate. But the problem is here: the lack of reward and sense of progress, as you because you're just bothered by the aliens come along in these waves. These kind of we've got another um, shooter here where uh, the aliens are uh, living by sine waves. So we've got lots of sine wave um, enemies come floating on, usually way too fast for you to dodge or anything. So you usually end up dead. And because you only shoot one bullet at a time, you can't really pepper the screen. This is the you know it's the um, opposite of a bullet hell shooter. This is a, you know, I don't know what you call it, bullet anathema. There's only one bullet. And when it hits something, you can fire again. But if you don't shoot anything, you have gotta wait. You gotta wait. Till it goes all the way across to the side of the screen before you can fire another one. Rubbish. Because you just get killed by these waves of aliens in ran- and the waves are randomised as well, so you can't learn them. Oh, it's very annoying and this gets very dull very quickly. Um, it's two quid. You got forty nine percent. Yeah, right. There's really no reason to play this now. It's a poor man's nemesis and Delta, and I'm you know not just poor as if you could only afford two quid. It's poor as in you're you're not going to get any enjoyment out of this. You're really not even for two quid. And even if you got that second game hidden in there there's just no reason to endure this if they'd have given you power-ups and some rewards for the players it could have been okay the visuals are quite nice the backdrops are quite well drawn the sprites are okay i mean the scrolling is quite smooth your ship is okay so that, that that side of it the visual side of it for a budget game it's all right it's not too bad there's lots of different backdrops and things like that um and the sound is a concoction of really loud space shooter sounds um that really burn into your brain after a while that shooting sound is Oh, so loud and so persistent. It's so loud, especially as the aliens get closer. And you manage to fire a lot of things. It's like, it's, like hey, it's awful. But there's no progression in what you do. There's no, there's no feeling of accomplishment. There's no movement for you. And in in this day and age, you know, by 1988, when we're playing shooters, we expect progression. We expect uh, power ups, upgrades, different weapons, different ships, something. You know, to problem here. And also, just as a final note, shouldn't this be called Diameter? Because it says uh, nobody's yes. crossed the radius. Because radius is only halfway across. It's no surprise no one has crossed it before. They're all stuck in the middle. Uh, so, I, I, you know.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Ideally,
2: this should be called diameter, not radius. I know it's a, a math, you know, it's a circular math joke, but it bugged me. I was like, no one can cross a radius. Well, you can, but then you just, what do you do? You haven't gone out the other side. Stupid. No. no. And, it, no. you know, you, you can't work out the circumference. Circumference. Well, you can, you can, can't, can't you? Can, can, can you? two hour pie or whatever it is. Anyway, this isn't very good. This is a bog standard shooter. That's main problem is you're just too slow to deal with anything that coming towards you. We've seen this in loads of these shooters where you're just not, you're not powered enough. You're not fast enough. You're not, you you don't feel... It feels more like a dodge-em-up rather than a shooter because you end up just trying to dodge the aliens because you can't shoot them fast enough. Bah, I had no time for this after playing it for a bit. I didn't like this. And, you know, Sunday afternoon, this would have not got very long on as far as I'm concerned. I didn't like Radius. What about you?
0: Nah, no, 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 no. Um, no, Interesting, though. This is from the demo team, wasn't it, of Ian and Mick? So oh, is that uh, who made it, is it? Yeah, I remember them from their triad demo days. Um it, it, so yeah,
2: well that's what I mean. Graphics and everything and scrolling, all very nice, but with exactly. about other
0: demo coders. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I remember them from their demo Bogman, which was actually a sort of a dancing guy on a toilet door, which was kind of cool. And there's right. some the demos are crazy good techniques that they showed off, but what a mad thing this is. I didn't last long, as you rightly point out. You don't last long in this, do you? Because you can't actually shoot anything quick, quick enough or avoid anything quick enough. So you're either going to die by being hit from the constant enemy waves and sine waves that come and sort of get in your way. And your bullets, well, even if you if you do shoot them, the noise is going to drill into your soul <laughs> after a while.
2: Yes, so yeah, loud, really
0: so blooming so loud. Loud, loud. But you don't emit bullets quick enough. So you, you, no. No, you've got no chance in this. With no upgrades, nothing else, you've got no chance. So I'm not quite sure. Add to that the loud sound effects, and uh, they're so loud. The graphics, like you say, the graphics and the coding techniques are good here. And even that weird kind of MCP Tron slash breakout inspired minigame thing. It was like Phoenix, wasn't it? Yeah, but it, it just all felt to me like it was a load of code samples smashed together into an idea that didn't work.
2: Yeah. And that big, big scrawly text that goes across when you prepare to start, it's all
0: demo coding. Well, it's basically a demo with a little bit of game inside of it that doesn't make any sense to be there. So the big, loud wah sound, the big scrolly thing with all the colors and the waviness and everything else. This, yeah. A demo is not a game, and this kind of proved it, didn't it? Um, now, they are very good coders, Ian and Mick. There's no doubt about that, but this isn't their finest hour. So it got 49%. I think that's a bit generous for what I played, but um, there you go. Yeah. Nothing, I've got nothing else to add to it because there's nothing more to it. They did. They did better demos than they did this game. I'll tell you that much. And you can go on the CSDB and find them. Also, go do that instead because it's much more fun to watch their demos than play that game.
2: Yeah, there you go. Radius, away with it. Let's move along. i have got a couple more before we get to a break. So let's move along into our next one. And Graham, this is well, it goes by two names. This is Alternative World Games, or as it was known in the US, Sports Aroni. <laughs>
0: That's I don't know a why. a stupid name.
2: I don't know why. It came out by Epics the world, didn't it? There you go.
0: I'm guessing because it had the World Games name in it, there's some controversy around that. I don't know. And I don't care. Maybe. This is from Gremlin, the Gremlin graphics team. This is an unusual combination of people here. So you've got Gayula Hodi, Attila Korazansky, uh, Gabor Pyongyor, and Antal Zolani, or Zolnai sorry, are the coders. The graphics are by Janos Zana and Attila Horvath. And the music's by good old Ben, Benny Dalglish, old Ben there. <laughs> so I'm guessing this has been outsourced to some different area of Gremlin graphics anyway.
2: Well, it's the people that did um, water polo.
0: Right, okay. It's a humorous parody of kind of World Games, All right, if you didn't get that from the title. But World Games was kind of already humorous, so not sure, not sure where they were going with that. And here you've got a different range of events to go at, humorous, hilarious events such as Sack Race, where you've got to do a sack race and avoid the manhole covers and the dog, which you can't avoid because the dog's <laughs> sent from hell itself. Um, the pile of plates, where you got to sort of balance a, a stack of plates, boot throwing, river jump, pole climbing, run up the wall. Good old run up the wall. You remember that run up the wall game? We played that? <laughs> those, didn't we? Pillow fight, oh, pogo cool. stick. Good old pogo stick. Uncontrollable, annoying pogo stick. And then at the end of all of that, if you make it through that and can be bothered, you'll get an award ceremony for however you did in those events. So you start this off by entering your name, you choose your country. I actually quite like that selection phase. you got like this parrot that sort of you choose, you type in your name, and then you can choose the country where you get this little flag. And the parrot pulls out a sort of record, puts on a record player, and you get played a version of the national anthem. Only it's not the national anthems. That's the joke. The kind of versions of tunes that are sort of associated with that country. So for, for France, you get the Can Can, and for UK, you get. Um, uh, land of Hope and Glory, things like that. So a oh. little bit of humor. <laughs> Hilarious, that. And the parrot does a little dance and everything. Yeah, then low times occur. And it's that kind <laughs> of loading. And so then you, the oh. world
2: stopped spinning. <laughs> and the glaciers <laughs> came down
0: from the north. Exactly.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: and they stopped coming. And the people started coming. The,
2: and there was fish and plankton. <laughs> and
0: plankton and sea greens. <laughs> anyway, so once you've got through that, you go to the... I like to call it the Confusatron, because here you choose the events you want to play. Oh, by a so, pro- so weird. It's like, I it took the a- 80s to work out what was going on. By process of up and down VHS mini recorder graphic. Who who doesn't choose things like that? That's the way you choose things. Never mind just bringing up the ones, clicking the button and highlighting a circle around the ones you want to play in, kind of red or yellow or something like that would indicate preference. Yes. Now, here you have to press up and down with the joystick to choose the number press the fire button, which makes it d- display on one of the mini screens and work your way across doing that. And then you, then once you've decided that, choosing whether you're going to compete uh, or whether you're going to practice. Um, and when you do that, you've set your sort of rules. Instead. Remember, you can play multiple players in this. You, you can you choose your multiple players in the screen before that. So if you press enter, type in your name, press enter, choose your country, you then get the option to do it again. If you press enter at that point, it's one player. If you choose another mm. one, you can add another player. So. so you get through that and obviously the dancing parrot. And that's as stupid as it sounds. Then you get to the VHS Selectatron um, <laughs> and you choose the events that you're going to participate in. I chose all of them stupidly because not all of them actually worked every time. Then you set about competing in said events. Now they all control differently and I'm actually not going to bore you with the different control mechanisms. I The ones that I engaged with the most were Sack Race because that's the one that seemed to work I tried this repeatedly in different ways. The original version of alternative world games that we had didn't quite work. So I tried the other one, which was called, what was it? Sportsaroni. Sportsaroni. <laughs> basically the same thing with some of the same problems. The sack race worked. I started the sack race and you basically have to kind of control a, a jumping person in a sack um, across the, going left to right with a dog chasing you, I think. Although the dog wouldn't leave me alone and just kept tripping me up and I couldn't win the race. Mm -hmm. And you have to avoid the puddles by going up and down and sort of jumping, hopping in the front. If you fall over, you've got to sort of beat yourself up. That's kind of the way of it. Now, the games all control slightly differently. And I think the ones I played later, which was I got a a shot at the plates game, although it didn't work for very long. Pillow fight I played, and I think pole climbing and run the wall. So I played most of them. They all control differently. They're not intuitive, what you call intuitive control mechanisms. So none of them controlled the way I would have expected to. And this is one of the great strengths of real epics. Games. Now, when I say real Epics games, I'm going all the way up to Summer Games 2, and I'm including some of the events, from obviously, from Winter Games and some from World Games. But we all know that this one, although it's got World Games at the top... The events they've chosen and that style of events are leaning more towards the california game style idea of epics now that for me is a little bit of a problem which i'll sort of come back to but the moment we're presented with these games now from a presentation point of view the graphics actually are pretty good in this game they're quite nice they're quite nicely realized they're quite colorful and the animations are quite funny and there is a nice sort of funniness to them the way you control them and they are the mini games such as they are mini games are quite good none of them control as you'd expect they all get alarmingly difficulty spikes for no reason whatsoever the sack race is hard because the dog keeps tripping you up, not because you're not good at sack racing. And that's that stupid logic like that that does my head in about all of these events. There's a reason to dislike every single one of these events, whether it's the controls, whether it's something stupid that happens, whether it's just the way that it kind of plays out. There's something wrong with each of them. The key thing that's wrong with them is that none of them are actual events of a thing. This is something we picked up on in California games, that really for these kind of multi-event things to work like this, they need to be part of an event, I think. So they need to be part of a thing. So Summer Games 2 works really well because it's kind of a Olympics. Yeah, so, yeah. so And those events are akin to Olympic events. And that kind of works in that context. Winter Games works because they are of a winter Olympics. So they're kind of that kind of thing. When you start throwing in erratic games like pillow fighting, you're heading down the kind of avenue that we were... With that awful ocean game, that, what's it called? It's, um, it's a knockout? It's a knockout type idea where the the events and that other sort of cave, not the caveman, sort of the other one with the band of rock dudes that were fighting each other, blood and lust or whatever it was oh, called. blood or, and guts. Yeah, so, yeah so, i me- mentioned that. So where the events are interesting in themselves and quite funny maybe for a bit, but they're not really a cohesive whole of events. No one's going to go to an Olympic event and go, you know what I'm looking forward to today? What is it, the 100 meters, the hurdles? No, nah, not for me. Give me the sack racing boot throwing any day of the week. I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. It doesn't happen. And that's because quirky events only work in a quirky way and for a short amount of time. And that's the problem with these all of these types of things like this. They only work in quirky world. And the quirky world's a short-lived affair because if they're not funny and they're not hilarious, the reason Epic's games are good is because they're real events with funny twists. So they've got little funny, little, but they're little twists. They're little funny things. They're not big things. This is kind of a great big, ha, 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 ha. Imagine if World Games was full of really funny events like pillow fighting. I don't want to imagine that because that's this game and it's not very funny overall.
2: <laughs> no, it's not.
0: So it's not bad luck in this game, and it controls horrible as they are. Once, you, once you've got things moving, the actual animations and the sprites and the details are nice. But it's all wrapped in this game that makes no real cohesive sense. It's California Games' Outside of California, it's like the Aldi version of California games when someone was like, what kind of games can we put in this? I don't know, pogo stick, pillow fight, chuck a rock, I don't know. It's the equivalent of putting, actually, well, let's put poo sticks in this. You know, stand on a bridge, <laughs> chuck a stick, and then see if it goes under. It's the same logic as what games can, what compendium games can be put in there that are not things that Epics would have done. But why not do the things? If you've already made a swimming game, here's an idea. Put a swimming event in it. Yeah. Just, just, I just I just don't understand the logic of where they went with it, so I played through as much as I could of this. I didn't really enjoy any of it. I found the graphics and the visuals and the, it looked the part. The coding's, you know, with coding is good. Zap seemed to think it had this real twist of epics about it. Oh, this, you know, it's almost as good as epics. I'm like, I, whatever you've been taking or smoking, reduce the dose because it's nothing like that. This is nowhere near in the same league as, a, as many of the good events from World Games, and it's certainly not in the same ballpark as Summer Games too. and I am not know if you put an awards ceremony at the end of it. So I found this a frustrating array of erratic games that made no sense in cohesion. Most of them were difficult to control or had problems. Some of them didn't work anyway. I don't know if those bugs were legitimately game bugs or, or crack bugs or whatever, but either way, they had bugs. And some of these games were just unpleasant. Unpleasant to play, unfun. And hilarity aside, you know, my sides weren't splitting by playing river jump in the same way that that other stupid game when you jumped off the tower and headbutted the ground, uh, Blood, Blood, Blood and Guts, yeah. when you're playing Blood and Guts, in the same way that that didn't entertain me for the same reasons it didn't. I like events that make sense to be in an event thing. So give, I like Javelin, I like shot put. I like those things. Just do those. You could do those in a funny way if you want, but, you know, make them a little bit quick if you want to, but you're going to be competing directly with epics. I don't think epics are a particularly good thing to parody, which is what they tried here. And it's been tried before. Stinks. I didn't like it. But what about you?
2: Yeah, no, I'm the same. This is, like I said, people that brought you water polo. It's an alternative take on games from around the world, but games that don't actually exist. Like you said, running up a wall is not a sport. It's not an event. It's not anything. <laughs> it's just not. It's not anything. It's just not. No, it's not any good. No, uh, and like you, I found this a pain to get working. I didn't know whether it was the emulator or whatever, but it's very buggy. It keeps failing. I had to try different versions. The ones I got running, I got the sack race. I played that a bit, but like you said, it's annoying. Um, it should have been, you know, nice and easy, like the rowing in Summer Games Two. Yeah. Left and right, left and right. Get it balanced. And if you slow down, just slow down. Not constantly falling over and being bothered by a dog. That just becomes frustratingly Ooh, that annoying dog. very quickly. The boot throw, I, I, that was okay. I played decently, but it was really simple. like nothing to it much. The pole climbing, which is damn near impossible due to the odd controls. The river jump where I could never fly off the pole despite me hammering at the fire button. At that point, I really had enough. I was like, look, I've got better things to do. It's hot. I'm bothered. This game's crap. There's some nice animation and visuals in this, like you said. And uh, there are. When it went to go, and it's a really smooth sprite mm, animation mm. and nice definition. And it's quirky and that's nice. But the controls I found all annoying. Nothing felt intuitive. And to top it all, when you're up against the computer, there's just no point. There's no point. No, they the no, pole, no. They, they do the pole climb in 12 seconds. You know, something you will never, ever, ever do. Ever. You never get close. <laughs> uh, and they never miss a step in the sack race. Something you no, will do don't. loads of times because the dog will just attack you. It's t- just stupid. What this shows to me is that you know, even in something like California Games, which we you know we didn't rate as highly as the others, there's a sense of design and thoughtfulness to the way the events play. And the AI is never foolproof. Um, you know, you play those kind of games, and the AI slows down, it speeds up, it, it feels like you can beat it. In this, similar to what we said about Blood and Guts, and you mentioned that, and I mentioned it for another reason. There's little fun to be had in single player. The, the Blood and Guts AI was foolproof, impervious. You couldn't do anything. It was you know stupid. But this is something that the game series has always excelled at. Even in single player, you feel like, you know, in the fencing or whatever, there's still a sense of like, I've got a chance here in the bits with a two player. And it's it's just not, and it's not enjoyable. And it's just, you watch that guy just go up the pods like, like, oh, well, you failed. I didn't even get going. (laughs)
0: You're not as good as me. You're done.
2: Uh, I just had no des- real desire to try and get the rest running. And, uh, you know, it's all, it's, that's all you. Re- if this had been great, those events had been wow. I'd have been like, right, I'm going to get all these events up and running, going to keep at it, keep out it. But I just didn't. Yeah, yeah, enough. yeah. No, same. So it, t- it tells you all you need to know about it, really. This is, was, this was um, yeah. No, nah, it's a shame, really, because there's a, there's a nice visual package around it, but there's there's a lack of thought to the the controls for me, and just a lack of programming. Good AI is not just about making the AI foolproof and brilliant. So and I don't learn that with these stupid
0: games, though, do they? Always the bloody same. It's uh, something we've encountered quite a few times, where you've got the impossible AIs, stupid, yeah, stupid, stupid. And
2: I get it, you know, it's an eight bit machine, but Epics do it. So yes, yeah, it can be done.
0: You know, Ballblazer did it. Yeah, Fallibility is important if you're playing a game like this, if you play one player especially.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There we go. That's Alternative World Games. But one more, let's get into it because I don't want to spend any more time thinking about that one. Let us instead head to the future for Survivors. Another budget Um, title. Two quid. Yeah, the future. It's the year 2087. Once again, nuclear war has ravaged the Earth and left the survivors housed in underground hibernation domes. However, these domes have been severely damaged, leaving almost a thousand people in danger of severe death if they are not rescued. Who could be sent Severe into- death. Severe death, yeah. Who could be sent into the radioactive hellspa- hellscape to get these people out? Well, not who, but what specialist droids are sent in, each with a unique power. So between them... They have all the tools at their disposal to rescue all these trapped people and get everyone out of these seven levels of earthen disaster. So, this is obviously a port from the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, as it looks very much like Repton and all those other maze games that haunted that machine. I couldn't find who did this version. It's quite, this is on quite a lot of machines, actually. It seems to get ported all, all over the place, even like an MSX version. Moby Games lists Glyn Carey as doing the Spectrum and MSX versions. So I'm just going to assume he did them all. Like, cause yeah, maybe. I couldn't, I couldn't find mention of any others. Uh, there was no credits for anything else. So, Glenn Carey, you have been credited with doing the C64 version of Survivors. Well done. If you didn't, well done. Anyway, in this game, you control the three droids with the joystick moving them left, right, up and down. It's a maze game. It looks like Repton and Boulder Dash zoomed in. It's that. It so up, down, left, right. That sort of thing. You can flip between the droids by pressing the fire button or the buttons one, two, and three to choose them. So you've got these three droids and they've got different abilities. Droid one can dig through earth or dirt and this is very important because the underground domes are chock full of dirt and this must be cleared to allow the other two droids to move around. So think you're you know, getting rid of the earth in boulder dash and stuff like that. Once you've chewed to it, it's black and the other thing you know, it's just empty. Droid two can teleport survivors out of the rubble. So you need to get... Droid 2. Droid 2 is the most important one, really, because that's the one that rescues the survivors. The other two is the ones that get stuff out of the way. Droid 3 can push single boulders around to clear the way or trap enemies. So, what we have here is is Boulder Dash, but where each of the abilities has been separated out into a different droid. So, whereas Rockford could chew through dirt, pick up diamonds, go into stuff, and push boulders, that's been ripped apart and put into three different droids. And so, it's made into a little bit more puzzly, should we say. The view is more zoomed in than Boulder Dash. Uh, It's more akin to Repton. It's quite zoomed in, uh, which means you your view of the maze you have to navigate is obfuscated by the small viewing window. So you can't see much of the maze around you. And it's quite big. It scrolls around. It's quite big. And you've got to sort of navigate your way around. So and it's easy to get stuck if you choot you out the wrong bit of Earth and you get your wrong droids c- caught behind somewhere. And, you you know, that's what it is. So like Dash, there are enemies that patrol around. Uh, these are droids that have malfunctioned, I think, from all the radiation. Uh, you can avoid these. They go on a set patrol path, or you can destroy them by trying to drop a boulder on their head, so either by chewing the earth out from underneath it and moving aside or getting your droid three to push it onto their heads. As with all of these games, you move a grid space at a time, and you have to plan your way accordingly, making sure to leave room for each droid to fit through when you need them to either teleport humans out or push rocks out of the way. This was noted in Zap as being Repton crossed crossed with boulderash, crossed with thunderbirds and that's quite a good description that's quite apt that's pretty much what it is because thunderbirds you had the two ships they've each had different abilities you had to squeeze them through and push them out and move them around and solve puzzles and it's that you've got three droids you need to use them all to solve the puzzles navigate the maze get all the humans out and basically that's it you could yeah, so yes you've got to use all the droids different abilities it's easy to trap yourself uh if you do you can tap F one twice to reset the level. Don't know why you have to do it twice, but you do. You have to tap it twice to reset the level, and that will help you to so it resets level. So you get out of your trap thing. Beware though, is you can only do that three times before it's game over. So it's essentially, you've got three lives. If you trap yourself three times, that's that you're done. The visuals and sound on this game well they're basic at best um showing why it was ported to machine machines like the c16 there's a version on there as well because it's mostly expanded character graphics or well, zoomed in and the, the scrolling's pretty jerky so it looks like that other one we looked at what was that other dr- realms realms wasn't it that was that other one so it looked like that too the scrolling's jerky you know it moves it doesn't particularly move very smoothly it moves as you do so it's like chunk 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 moves you know, about a grid space at a time almost. But the, you know, the movement of the droids is fast as you move them around, working out the various puzzles to get the trapped humans off us. You know, it's, 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 to be fair, under all that, there's a decent little puzzle game here. There's a solid level of enjoyment to be had from working your way through the maze and trying to work your way out. It's not going to win any Game of the Year awards. Two quid, if you like this kind of puzzler, where some quick reactions are needed, a bit of planning, and I was going to see through, this would certainly have passed a Sunday afternoon. It's not terrible. You get past the visuals, and there's actually an okay game underneath them because it's that kind of repton Boulder Dash thing at its heart. They've just stripped sp- split it out into three different things, which has kind of made it a bit different, and a little bit more annoying, you know. But it's a bit different. So this one, too bad, too quick. It got seventy nine percent. I'd say that's about right. I didn't mind this. Once I I got playing it, I played it for quite a while, got quite deep into it. It was
0: all right. What about you? Uh, It's an oddly familiar looking and sounding thing, isn't it? Obviously, like you say, influenced by Boulder Dash and Repton and any number of games that look exactly like this. Mm. I thought it was playable. It was $1.99 and it was quite fun in the way that Boulder Dash and Repton and all those other ones were kind of playable for the same reasons they were kind of playable. Mm. You know you're going to scoot around this game with that kind of f- 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 kind of noise and you're going to eat a bit of dirt and all right I thought there was some decent puzzles and things to go out the dynamic of having three different sort of things to do with different I quite like that it's okay and in the back of my mind I'm thinking this is sort of 2 quid so it's if this had been full price would have been you know going no no but it's 2 quid so okay mm. I think perhaps the view was obviously a bit too big in the window so everything feels a bit cramped and zoomed in same thing we said about Repton I think yeah but I did like that you can switch between the player types the idea of doing that was quite easy the interesting part of this is kind of that mechanic around the three sort of robots thing i quite like that it doesn't offer much more than balderdash or repton doing really in any of those sort of situations there's maybe a little bit more puzzling about that jury's out on that one but for a budget game i thought it was all right and really oddly peaceful when i was playing this i felt like a weird calm come over me like oh <laughs> i don't know why it's just just you know, go <laughs> scooting around yeah just, you know, I know trying you to mean. find people for and even though the, those sort of people that were frozen in the sort of blocks looked kind of weird, like they looked like gingerbread men that had been baked into a rock. <laughs> um, but even then, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go around finding the gingerbread men. Oh, I need to get a bolder guy, you know, get him in, switch to player. I was like, okay, yes. Just something oddly peaceful about playing it. It was just kind of calm and serene. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's because I came off the back of the frustrating Angathon that was alternative world games, but I just found this quite peaceful experience. It got at 79%, didn't it? Two pounds worth of game. It's okay. Survivors is a bit of a silly name for it, though. Why don't you just call it Repton Quite or whatever? I can't believe it's not Balderdash or whatever. But either way, <laughs> it had all those component parts. All the things that are good about those other games are good here, too. You know, they, that's a there's no, you know, it's, it's like if I created a shoot called Blemesis. Um, and it was exactly the same as Nemesis, but it was just it was Blemesis. It's all the good things about that shoot were the same. So yeah. there's nothing bad about the mechanics here because we've seen them all before. But it is cheap, I suppose, and maybe there's room for another Boulder Dash type clone. I don't know. It was all right. It's all right. This game, not bad.
2: Yeah, and you can. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, it's a port from another another machine where probably they didn't have I don't know Baldur's Dash on everything, wasn't it. So it's, it's you know it's and Repton is certainly popular. Yeah, it a, it's ported from
0: the Dragon Thirty Two and the Oric Atmos.
2: It could very, it could very well be. It was listed for a lot of machines.
0: Um, like I said, even the MSX. But it's MSX and the Rodrigo one, which was uh, the guy at Highlander's computer that he made.
2: <laughs> the follow-up to the Ramirez special. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there can be only one. You smashed it up, silly, <laughs> silly, that silly fool. Did you, did you make another one as a backup? No, there can be only one. There can be only oh. one. Oh. Did you make another copy of that game? No. Oh, <laughs> I don't think <okay>. backups <laughs> okay. Okay, all right. Ramirez.com is going to be short lived, I know, but okay,
2: <laughs> that's true. Uh, but yeah, this is all right. It might have even started life on the C16, it would make sense because it looks like it could have yeah, been. A C-16, I, I right? thought
0: maybe it had C16 equality about it, didn't it? So,
2: yeah, could very well have been. But there you go, that's survivors. We didn't mind that one, that was all right. Um, yeah, probably the best <laughs> of the lot. This this half,
0: <laughs> which is weird, weird, <laughs> but yeah, actually,
1: yeah.
2: And considering Chuck Yeager's advanced flight trainer somehow got ninety-five percent, it was. They said
0: it was the fastest three D they'd ever seen. That was um, <laughs> it um, what's Mount his name? Ludlow really slow. <laughs> that was uh, Julian Rignall said it was the fastest three D on the C sixty four so far. I think, or something. I'm paraphrasing. but something like that. It Don't probably know, I, is. I, I, maybe it was, but that's not saying anything, is it? It's like well, it's the fastest. Yeah. If the fast, the fastest is one frame a second. Previous record-breaking speed was half a frame a second. <laughs> oh, wow, it is the fastest then. You're right. Well, well three done. Three quarters yeah. of okay. a frame okay, per second. Yeah It's really fast. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. There we go.
2: All right. That's it. We're going to take a quick break. You can listen to some adverts. We will be back after this, uh, where we will be looking at the albums that came out in January 1988. So please stay with us and we'll be back in a moment.
3: The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasured computer games. When Reese tells her one of the games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs off his fanciful fib. She waggles the joystick to disprove his fairy tale and is pulled into the computer. Now trapped in games she'd never had any interest in playing, how can she possibly beat them? With the help of feisty Nell, another trapped player, can Sarah find her way back home or is it game over? An evil madman, a hostile planet, bloodthirsty robots, a never-ending throng of karate experts, and relentless digital soldiers will do their best to ensure Sarah never escapes. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers. Find out if there's a way out of the beige bread bin of betrayal for Sarah in Escape from the Commodore 64.
2: Yes, we are back. And we're back. We're back. And we are back. We are back. Um, Let's get into some albums for January 1988. Uh, This might be a short session because, well, it's Christmas. It's January. It's not the biggest time to release. It's not not
0: the top of the release schedule, is it?
2: Not really, but there's some... tunes there's some albums come out it's interesting interesting let's see for the first week of the of the year now that's what i call music 10 was still there propping up the charts number one
0: yes so. it's going to be there a while hanging around
2: well that is it it's done it's only one week So everyone's had their christmas presents now it's time for this to move on you've you know you've done your bit everyone bought you before christmas away you go
0: now that's what i call january he'll be out February. <laughs> absolutely
2: the, the grayness of january has arrived there's no party <laughs> tunes
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Blue, winter sense. Winter now.
2: (laughs) It would have been in 1988, because the following week, Popped In, Sold Out was number one for a week. This is from Wet Wet Wet. Is that the debut album for them? It is their debut album, yes. This had actually been released in September and was actually kept off the number one spot back then by uh, Michael Jackson's Bad. Um, And it finally got to number one here, probably on the back of the release of Angel Eyes and Sweet Little Mystery.
0: Uh, Probably, yeah. They were um,
2: quite popular singles that we have covered. I notice yeah. in 2017, there was a five, I put DC, CD, five CD 30th anniversary album, edition of this. What, edition of the album? Yeah, what would they fill up five CDs with? I mean, unless um, it were albums, I don't know. But it just said a five CD 30th anniversary
0: album. So it, can be, it must be a 30th anniversary of this. It's just sounds of Marty Pello punching things. <laughs> so he just walks around, punches a ham punches a cheese, <laughs> punches two melons of different types, Guadalupe, punches a pineapple, spicy pineapple. And I just thought it water. might be
2: just sound of him slowly sort of receding his head into his neck. <laughs> um, just the slow sound of the slow sort of...
0: <laughs> scrunching inwards, yeah. <laughs> just that and then he's, um, he's also He's also being fed extra long um, cheese puffs. Do you know like what's it's extra long whats so he can but he doesn't actually chew or break he break them with his teeth he just glugs them down his long neck <laughs> it's kind of freaky to look at
2: they just smoothly go down, leaving a leaving that sort of cheesy what's it powder around his lips. Well, he, he
0: sneezes that out, <laughs> so he just pretty pushes them down like a like a press stud. Like, <laughs> and <then> he goes, <laughs> and then out, like, out of his nose comes like the of those, cloud of those orange.
2: Footballers, that football game, where you had to push the head down to kick. But you push his head down, and he burps
0: out a, an orange cloud. When he's playing football, that's how he has to kick the ball. He's running <laughs> along, and he has to press on his own head. <laughs> yeah i can get i can dig that um, i've i've noted this is a horrible album full of demons with needles for eyes quite sure what i was thinking of when i wrote that but yeah that's uh that's what i thought i
2: thought i read that on the back of the box
0: uh <laughs> but the sure. guardians review was a little bit more scathing than anyone thought
2: absolutely yeah Wow, they didn't like that i didn't go down well at the dinner party that week <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Knocking it off, the number one spot the following week was Turn Back the Clock from Johnny Hates Jazz. Oh, God. Smug, no. blandcore horror. Yeah. And I've posted the uh, picture of the album cover there. If there's not a, sm- a smugger picture, this episode I'll be It looks be like the shittest
0: version of Reservoir Dogs I've ever seen.
2: They're all actually side by side as well. Those people are really small. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which explains why they have to have really clever microphones. Yeah, it's awful, awful, awful. It's not good, that is it? I mean, they are a bit, you know, they're a bit. I don't know. There's something sort of fascistic about the outfits in that. You know, the sort of slim white, ties and white black shirt, suits, and black and ties, black suits. Yeah, yeah no. And it, it, and for someone that hates jazz, you know, it just seems irrational, an irrational hatred like that.
2: Well, if they oh. are um, if they are reservoir dogs, then he he would be Mr. Bland, wouldn't he? <laughs> why do I have Mr.
0: Bland? Because you're boring. That's <laughs> exactly. why. I can't believe you asked that <laughs> question. You put me to sleep asking it. <laughs> <laughs> shoulders, shoulders. <laughs> that was half an hour ago. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mr. Bland, Mr. Dull, <laughs> Mr.
0: Crap. Why do I have to Mr. Crap? Because you hang around with Mr. Dull and Mr. Bland. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> you're, you're all idiots. You all hate jazz for no reason. That's yeah, just stupid. Wh- what have you really got against stupid? jazz? Really stupid. I don't and know. And who's Johnny? Yeah. Oh. It's nothing to do with that band.
2: No, it's stupid not. Stupid nonsense anyway. Um, I did know that Kim Wilde sang backing vocals on the title track this on Turn Back the
0: Clock. She did. And that's because they kidnapped a cat and said, <laughs> sing or the cat gets pulped. So she sang and they pulped the cat anyway. The devious jazz hating crazies. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you can't trust someone that bland. They'll do it without, without, without even an expression on their face.
0: As that cat got pulled. Ironically, well, the, the first, oh, the first name of their band was Johnny Hates Cats. Um, <laughs> they, they changed it because they never thought they'd encounter anyone. They didn't have to watch him pull up a jazz musician again. But, true, uh, th- th- that's what that you know, well, these things happen in time. Wilde never got over that. She sang loads of songs about it, not that she released any of them, <laughs> but she sang loads of songs about it. Johnny Eats Cat <laughs> that
2: was the that was maybe that one.
0: Uh, that's them for the final uh last
2: couple of weeks of the month, but it's a five-week uh, month. Introducing the hardline according to Terence Trent Dabe went back in at number one. This was its second arrival at number one. It was uh back in it was uh, number one in September '87 when it came out. Yes, it's resurfaced. How's has it came back up to number one uh, probably on the back of sign your name which got oh, released definitely. in december so everyone went "Ooh, i'll have a bit of that sophisto pop i have a dinner party coming up with some
0: lower members of the royal family this will go down a treat i'm going to contact all of my friends on my large mobile device hello terry <laughs> are you coming around for a party oh sorry terence now is it okay terence Well are you coming around for a party bring your sophisto albums with you will you or one <laughs> of
2: them Oh, one of them I'll put them on my multi-change CD player uh, now who am I going to ring next I'm going
0: to ring Barry let me just check in my PhiloFax. <laughs> I'll check my PhiloFax. oh there he is <laughs> God. my Rolodex I've got my Rolodex out
1: Oh,
2: come come for a dinner <laughs> party we'll talk about nothing because we have nothing of worth
0: and then I was chased up a tree by a bear oh the agony <laughs> of the 80s oh <laughs> <laughs> the pure whimsy of it all oh the whimsy <laughs> Get away, Bear
2: Shoe shoo hello
0: please with... there's a bird chasing me up a tree oh it's kept me here for weeks hours <laughs> what's
2: that what's that yes I have slapped it with my filofax it did nothing <laughs> filofaxes god do
0: you remember filofaxes yeah I've never owned a phylofax in my entire life I'm proud of saying that never owned a filofax never will just an address book with with a ring binder do you know what it was it was a really I mean I admire the genius of somebody that's, it's the same people who invented razors and razor blades here's a, here's a razor a thing that holds a razor blade the razor blade costs like you know a million pounds the stick that it's on yeah you can have that for free and it's the same with these philofaxes they gave you the leather leatherette pleather binder leather. <laughs> pleather binder with the ring it's a ring binder it's a bloody rig, yeah, ring said, binder yeah. and then but you open it up and you have to have the special date stamped philofax insides oh they're 65 quid for those they're filofax, but they're special philofax ones it's just paper with holes in it you stupid fools. lines on blind <laughs> it's not, paper it's not vellum no. It's not papyrus. You're not digging this up out of ancient Egypt. But you can still get them. You can you can still buy them on, you go to Amazon, you can still buy phyllofaxes. you can still buy the, the inserts with them, special rulers, and I kid you not, rulers that have holes punched in them so you can put them in your filofax. What kind of crazy keeps a ruler with holes in it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know. I, know. I don't know those people. I was never a sophisto in the 80s. Is it, is it a Swiss ruler? I knew people who had file faxes. Um I did know a few people who had them. I wasn't ever sophisticated enough to really be acknowledged by them, but we I knew were not them.
2: in any way, shape or form sophisticated.
0: No, no, absolutely not. I think um, my mum might have had one because she was kind of knocking about with the hoi polloi of whatever businessy people and hotely uh, people true. at one point. Because so she, she had a mobile phone pretty early as well, like a uh, i remember she had this vodafone thing so she was kind of in that that sort of set but you know we all spied with derision and we you know mocked her and laughed at her and <laughs> threw things at her and everything spat in her <laughs> filofax she didn't know any of that she does now though <laughs> yeah she's an avid listener <laughs> she listens to this Quite, podcast she's, yeah she's
2: listening outside your door right now yes <laughs> yeah, she, she, yeah, yeah.
0: Graham? <laughs> are you What's talking the- about my filofax i wonder what those spit marks were god damn it <laughs> yeah they were spit <laughs> <laughs> yeah is that, did, we didn't have to wonder about it it was to spit yeah we didn't like it uh, didn't
2: like there we, go. we don't
0: like it we don't like your philofax no no anyway philofaxes
2: <laughs> so right that's your album That's your number one it's what came out on the 3rd of January uh, there was not much number 69 Come Into My Life by Joyce Sims uh, we talked about the single I think last week we um, did and, and now the album's here Called the same thing. I know nothing of this beyond vague recollections of a single, as I said last week. She did play play. She wrote all the songs on the album, bar one mm. cover, which was Love Makes a Woman, which was originally by Barbara Acklin.
0: No, I know not of this artist. I know nothing. And like, like you, I, I, I think I've heard samples of this artist in other house tracks, but I'm afraid I, I'm not going to rush off and try and find the latest Joyce Sims album. No disrespect to you, Joyce, but I suspect you're in a Filofax and that's going to keep us separated forever. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to look that. at you, maybe spit in it. I, I don't ever want to be a date in your Filofax. So. <laughs>
2: no, true. Not giving you my number to put in a ring binder.
0: <laughs> I met Graham today and he told me, to get, get lost and take my Filofax and stick it up my ass. How unpleasant. How rude. I must invite him to more parties. <laughs> I'll write a song about him. <laughs> Come into my life. Stick your Final up your bottom, said Graham. <laughs> it's a winner. It's a real winner. It's going to be a hit if you could drop all that part about Final Facts you're in with it. Graham, because it's quite... Yeah. Like, Who is he like and why? Slightly, scant, <laughs> slightly uh, libelous. Um,
2: yes. 10th of January, because that was the only album that came out the 3rd of January. In at number 63 was Share with Share. Yeah, the album. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. fair for share fair share (laughs) she she doesn't like to share though share
0: no (laughs) she's very greedy she eats all the crisps (laughs) on her own all the chocolate there's no sharing with share no there isn't that's that is her name is a is a is a total misnomer it's um
2: it's an insult it's an insult to those that like you know you go to the cinema with her she keeps all everything to herself there's no uh handing out of the handing handing out of the jelly babies one of her
0: powerful skills is that she can actually put her lips around the entire seal her lips around a pringles tube and just the the pringles will lower into her mouth she (laughs) doesn't even chew just and that's it an entire tube of pringles is done
2: (laughs) there's already a running theme in this episode in these (laughs) albums of you and pop stars gorging on crisps in one long suck
0: yes well (laughs) it (laughs) just It's coincidence that two people who can do that happen to be in the album chat. That say, I don't make the rules. I'm just an observer of what happens. I'm, I'm the observer of these things. It's just a skill that I know that Cher has.
2: Yeah, she's very good with it. Anyway, um, <laughs> the writing credits on this album, uh, I've noted. They're like an 80s who, who, who's who of classic rock writers. Oh my gosh. Desmond just... Child, Michael Bolton, Mark Mangold, John Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora, Diane Warren, John Lynn, Mark Goldenberg. Wow. And between them it's just you look especially I mean Desmond Child for one thing it's just ridiculous the amount of songs he's
0: written
2: but you know Bolton I mean Diane Warren they've just written so many so she's just surrounding herself and There are also, on the wiki, I I was looking at this earlier, there are 99 people listed as having worked on this album in one way or another. That's me. What were they all doing? I don't know. I mean, that's crazy. 99. Is that usual for a big album to have 99 people? I thought like you'd have an engineer, someone to set up some of the equipment. That's not normal. There's just hundreds, well, hundreds. There's loads of musicians, loads of engineers, loads of mixers. Mm. Crazy. This was a big album. Very well produced, obviously.
0: Well, a lot of people have indulged them. Are they musicians on it? Bobby Maracas is one of them. And ironically, he plays the clarinet. So I don't know why he would be there. (laughs) Jimmy Castanets, such a great bass player. (laughs) You said Jimmy Castanets.
2: Yeah.
0: Hey, Jimmy, get the bass out. Oh, okay. No one ever asked me to play the Castanets, do they? Ever.
2: (laughs) No, i'm a good cause that, <laughs>
0: you can't play and that's my name you can't play him it's just your name you stupid fool absolutely go and join the other 98 people in the line and get in that line
2: yeah there's a lot of people uh there's also a track on this called perfection uh that features darlene tyler sorry darlene tyler and bonnie tyler i might have written Ooh, her name wrong the tylers uh, the tylers i think i might have got darlene tyler wrong there I can only assume that that was that song was gravelly so i listened to it did you listen to it put very gravelly the, you've got to listen to it it's the chorus it's just it's just a desmond child chorus because he wrote
0: yeah, it. yeah i did listen to it yeah it's, it's that kind of horrible, so, yeah. kind of guitar sound. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's totally Desmond Child. he's it? he it's the same guy that produced half of that Shocker album when it comes out. And
2: yeah, yeah, yeah um, he did, he's done so many. So we many songs. will
0: have the power. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no no Horace Pinker says no
0: (laughs) bloody Horace Pinker just remember that that album's also got Dangerous Toys on it I know
2: I know I'm not I'm not doing it I'm not doing it I'm not going there
0: (laughs) and remember it's got that different breed track on it as well he sees himself apart from you a (laughs) day is he from down below or is he from the sky (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, i shit. remember that, that dangerous toys al- album that you bought it it was so so thin
0: it was a flexi disc in, in nothing but name in all but name <laughs> sorry it's was, it was because of the track on the sh- they the track on the shocker album was, was demon bell by them yeah which is stupid and awful so i bought the album as you do and it was <laughs> stupid and awful Next nice yeah, shop there, nice yeah, shop. exactly.
2: Oh dear, number ninety three. Flashdance, nineteen eighty eight version was released. The original soundtrack. I don't know. It's just a reissue of the nineteen eighty three soundtrack. I have
0: no idea why it was re released. It must be. It must be something to do with CD or something. I, it surely. could
2: very. It could very well be, or uh, it been on TV or something. Yeah, or, it was on yeah. TV around
0: that time. I wouldn't hear anything bad about that album. That, that album. Oh, is no, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't know why it was re released, but it was pushed, It must it was... be CD, but what an amazing album that is. It's, it's worth revisiting today. It's so good. Yeah. Good so old Giorgio Moroder. Yes. He is. He's, he's the best Moroder there is.
2: Yeah. And it's also got Maniac on it.
0: I always thought that that's a, a, kind of a slight misspelling of Mordor. Wouldn't it be different in lot of the Rings if they went to visit Giorgio Moroder? Yeah, Giorgio Moroder. It is the evil swelling. In Marauder. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 like a synth track kicks in. <laughs> It'd
2: be too cool. It would be good. Yeah, Marauder. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, what else has come out? Uh, number 100 was Make It Last Forever by Keith Sweat. Yes. Put, please don't, Keith. No, don't, don't. But Ugh. this album was massive. It went triple platinum in the US, selling more than 3 million copies. What is it? I don't know. People like the sweat.
0: <laughs> I'm suspecting it's probably got a... Is it country in western or something like that? Or? Uh, no, it's uh, it's R&B. R&B, yeah. Well, there you go. That's why.
2: Yeah, it was a big hit. Big hit in the States. I've never heard of it. Never seen it. We, we went... Well, we, the UK wasn't a big R&B stomping. No, album, not really, at all. His
0: album, his album after that was Bring Me Some Deodorant. <laughs> Um, which was an unusual <laughs> title, but you know, it was actually what he really wanted. So,
2: <laughs> his, his second one was Ball or Roll On.
0: ball or Aerosol. Neither. He wanted for his armpits, to quote a uh, famous joke on BBC TV. Anyway.
2: Anyway, 17th of January, straight in at number one, Turn Back the Clock by Johnny
0: H. Jazz. How did he get to number one straight away? I don't Just know. I didn't know there was that many Johnny H. Jazz fans out there. Quiet month. Yeah, yeah, I guess you know. Out of the six albums that were sold that time uh, at that week, he sold three. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Or four. Yeah, yeah, by <laughs> by default, Johnny Johnny Bates cat um went straight <laughs> in at number one. Bah. bah. That's why I say bah. <laughs> bah why does he hate jazz though? That's
0: the I question. don't want to know. I think we know why, because he's a murderous cat killing crazy and that's just a misnomer for his deeds. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly.
2: Down at the other end of the chart was number 95, The Lion and the Cobra by Sinead O'Connor, her debut mm. album. Had Mandinka on it. Probably what most people would probably recognize had I thought of that. Not me. Do you not know Mandinka? <laughs> no, I, I you not I bet you'd know it if you heard it. Probably. probably. Um, however, I Want Your Hands on Me was featured in the 1988 horror film A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream oh, Master, wow. okay. using a prominent character's death sequence as well as the film's end credit. Makes sense. There you go. Uh, I've also posted a couple of pictures there. Um, These are on the Wikipedia of the UK cover art versus the American cover art. Um, Yeah, slight difference there, isn't there? Yeah, I thought that the Americans couldn't handle the feisty first one. How silly is
0: that? They wanted to get a more
2: softer image.
0: Yeah, I mean, I never got what all the fuss was about with Shedene O'Connor. I mean, sure, she's doing well for an animated egg, but (laughs) her most popular song was written by Prince, still, egg. (laughs) Well she she did write all her own tracks so I think for that first album. Yeah, never heard of any of them. I, don't, you know, I, only, I only care about the ones I've heard about. <laughs> yeah, true. Mad Dinker is actually a good track, but I didn't I know anything it probably else about is. it. I think she was quite a talented artist given and a beautiful you know,
2: voice. Know. I'll give her that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredibly good voice. Um, but yeah, she was uh law unto herself. 24th of January at number three. This is high for them, but I can see why. If I Should Fall From Grace With God by The Pogues. Ooh. Third studio album and their highest chart placement ever, clearly on the back of Fairy Tale of New, New York, York yeah, which just come out at that Christmas, I think. Um, interestingly, prior to the release of this album in 1986, the Pogues record label Stiff Records had gone into administration as the label okay. still owned the rights to all the poked recordings the group were unable to record any new material until they were released from their contract with stiff little Records stiff records so during 1986 so they didn't actually do anything between then and now they basically they, they occupied themselves by guesting on a cover version of the irish rover with the dubliners which famously. i'm aware of um and they also took part in alex cox's comedy action film straight to hell shot in southern spain and also starring the Clash's frontman joe strummer i didn't know any of that no
0: there you go. Now, here's a little known fact about Shane McGowan. Um, right. If he places a single marble in his mouth and then gargles with whiskey, he can speak perfect royal sounding English. Wow. However, however, if he replaces that marble with a small cube of cheese or a baby bell, um, he can only shout the Icelandic word "akuga," which means cucumber. <laughs> It's one of those things. Uh, you know, I do like these sections where I learn lots of interesting <laughs> facts. You might win. A, you could win a pub quiz with that. Obscure pub quiz. I'll grant you, but a pub quiz. Especially in Iceland.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> question number seven. If Shane McGowan was to take a baby girl <laughs> into his mouth, what vegetable would he shout out in Icelandic?
0: I can't see uh, that, que- I can't um, see that question it, coming uh, up. Is it leek? No, it I'm sorry. You're wrong. <laughs> oh, you're so wrong. close. So close. <laughs> you're going for gold. You're wrong. Oh, oh.
2: Is, it a, is it a dusty bin you're right <laughs> you're right but not <laughs> how you think um. <laughs> yeah i don't know I, I, just, I don't see that happening but stranger things have happened in this world number 31 uh dusty the silver collection by roger moore no. <laughs> by
0: dusty springfield <laughs> bloody should be by roger moore yeah. dusty hello. springfield hello <laughs> D- Dusty Springfield that sang Puppet on a String" is that Dusty Springfield? Yeah, probably. That it's, it, this,
2: I tried to have a look for what this was. It's a compilation of sixties and 70s, 70s hits, by yeah. the way. But uh, I didn't really know her. It's not. I mean, I, I kind of recognised the name and stuff, and that she was a pop icon of the sixties in Britain. But yeah,
0: same. Eh. It's that totally out of my wheelhouse. I mean, uh, Rusty Spring Bucket. I remember nothing <laughs> of her before the first time of the passing of the Moon Biscuit. And after that, I remember everything. Well, if you do pass a moon biscuit, it's going to leave a, it's, it's going to leave it's an egg shaped hole it's and a skid mark, the likes of which will never be seen before or since. And, and, and no
2: amount of rubbing, <laughs> Lady Macbeth style, will get rid of it.
0: <laughs> they say it's the only thing that can be seen from space. The only skid marks that can be seen from space.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton has spent his entire career wanting to re- replicate
0: it. <laughs> it's exactly how they found the Higgs boson. That's how they found it. <laughs> that's where they found it.
2: That's, that's, what, uh, that's what they've built it for. The Large Hadron Collider.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. There's colliding <laughs> particles of turd together to create that. <laughs> we've done it. Look at that. We've, we've in... successfully created a moon biscuit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not even very, very... Multi-action powder will get rid of it.
0: <laughs> Is that Lewis, Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> yes. We've done it. We've done it. We've done it, Lewis. We've done oh, it. Great. Great. I don't have to keep racing these cars around and trying to do it myself. Alright, Lewis, if that's what you were doing. Alright. Alright. See you later, mate. Bye. Bye. We're just gonna sit here and enjoy our moon biscuit. <laughs>
2: I really want a Moon Biscuit now. Uh, yeah, everyone, everyone <laughs> does. Uh, number 40, House Sound of Chicago, Volume 3 by various artists. I didn't know any of that. I'd put a list there to the discography, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, I looked at that. I'm like, eh, never heard of any of them. And if no. I've had, i already heard them, but not, I wouldn't know who they were because this is sad to get to that time when DJs, house DJs played loads of tracks, but nobody ever knew who they were. And then the only no. time you'd come across them was on a compilation album. you go, oh, it's by Boggart and Frago. Oh, that's great. <laughs> It's called it's called acid up your jacksie or something. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that what it was. Loads so many compilation albums, so many artists getting recognition for things once and once only. <laughs> and once only.
2: Uh, finally, in at number ninety two was Out of the Blue by Debbie Gibson. Uh, Crazy. Another another one debut album sold more than three million again in the US, just like Keith wow. Sweat, and five million worldwide. Um, she wrote all the songs on the album, which is pretty impressive. Cool. It's mm. just turned seventeen at its release.
0: It's, it's amazing what threatening a teddy bear with fire will do to for coercive creation, <laughs> isn't
2: it? Are you yeah, say that yeah, she, 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 she well. someone, someone was there. Threat, <laughs> teddy Bear in one hand, lighter in the other, <laughs> yeah. forcing her to write
0: songs. Just, you got thirteen songs to go there, uh, Gibson. On you go. <laughs> Otherwise Teddy Bear's gonna lose an ear. <laughs> the painful way. <laughs> Don't hurt Teddy. <laughs> oh, we won't hurt him. We're gonna burn him to death. That's painful death. That's not burn that's not no, that's that's awful. Too late.
2: Look into his button eyes. They've seen things. <laughs> it,
0: it, it, to, to be fair, it does uh, kind of give you an idea of the song titles. You know, don't burn my teddy. Please die. <laughs> teddy, don't die. Teddy be gone. Murderous <laughs> bastards, leave him alone. All those songs she wrote that were, you no. Know, Absolutely. Classic classic hits, all of them. <laughs>
2: the, the clues were really there for all they to
0: see. Right there in your face. <laughs> Absolutely. In your it's face. a Poirot
2: with his uh, twirly mustache to work that one out.
0: No, Melted Button Eyes was a massive number one in Uganda, I think, (laughs) and a few other places. Absolutely. It was there for four weeks. (laughs) Four long, painful, teddy bear-threatening weeks. Yes.
2: Number 31st of January, in at number 11, was Skyscraper by David Lee Roth. Uh, It's got Just Like Paradise on it, about all I know. But reading about it, it seems he managed to piss off both Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan with this album. (laughs) (laughs) That's some going. Because both of them
0: quit. (laughs) They did, but... It all depends on who you, you know, where you read and what you read about it. It was the second album from the the sort of the super group, wasn't it? Of David Lee Roth band. So, you know, you've got Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan, and I forget the drummer as well, but they're all really crazy talented people anyway. And Eat 'em and Smile, which was the first album, was always going to be a tough act to follow. Different producer for this album. They got kind of a raw sound, famous famous for its kind of raw sound on the first album. So this one was a lot more sort of heavy synthesized, a lot more production, but very produced. And that was kind of what Van Halen were criticized for as well yeah, during yeah, some yeah, of their albums. Yeah. So, so I think that's the reason why it wasn't as well-received as perhaps it could have been. Now, that, I read that that wasn't the reason why Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan sort of and they went their separate ways. Steve Vai was kind of the producer and wrote most of these tracks with David Lee Roth on this album. The problem, I think, was that Steve Vai described it as there's only so much room for David Lee Roth's ego in a studio environment. There's only so much of that you can take. Because right. he's a big character and he's, you know, he's full of beans. And I guess that had its part to play. <laughs> full I think of beans. he's Oh, he's full of beans. <laughs> he's so full of, he won't stop farting. He stinks. Get him out of <laughs> the studio. Um, I mean, Steve fire has got alien-esque hands anyway. Well, we Billy know he's got, got three, Alien he's got alien-esque he's got hands. Three, so. He's got three knuckles. Um, he's got long really long fingers. fingers. Famously long fingers. It's crazy yeah. anyway. But the, the, the uh, David Roth is a really talented guy, I think, in his own kind of front man kind of way. And He's not the greatest vocalist by any admin. I don't think he would, even he would say that, but he has got charisma and he does carry that kind of thing across. And Just Like Paradise is an amazingly good song and the solo in its ace. I think the production is just a little bit, I think it's just a little bit overproduced maybe. But I imagine trying to control David Lee Roth is like trying to control a firework in terms of creative direction. I think, I personally think that David Lee Roth and Steve Vai are an amazing double act when they were in that band. I think they're brilliant. I think it's the most interesting you'll ever hear Steve Vai and the most fun he's ever had when he's playing in a band, because he's in a couple of, he's in a band before that as well, and I don't think he ever really was again, but he is having, it seems to me like he's having the most fun he ever had, even though parts of it, you know, some of the solos are kind of cut off on the album anyway. It's better than, I like it better than Eat Eat Em and Smile, although that does have some great tracks on it, like Yankee Rose and stuff, but Just Like Paradise is one of my favourite rock songs of all time. I think it's ace, so I guess I'm biased a little bit, but eh, No, you are, you are, you like what you like. It's It's all right. I just, I like David Lee Lee Roth, but I really like Steve Vai when he's in that band doing that stuff because it reminds me when he's in Crossroads and he's just comes across as a really interesting, really innovative, crazy talented, virtuoso guitar player. I really like that about him. When his albums, his self-styled albums come out later, Passion and Warfare and things like that, I just don't think he's ever quite the same guy as he was in Skyscraper and in eatman smile i just don't think it's the. i don't think it's the same steve Vai. there's an energy and a craziness and youthful youthful effervescence about those performances that i think just shout and scream out of his guitar playing and i find that really in, intoxicating but that's just i guess that's just me so yeah just think it, it's maybe something he never quite captured again i think fair enough i'm not gonna argue
2: I, I don't know i don't know enough of his uh catalog to comment with any kind of authority yes uh, number fifty-four, Destiny's Songs by Courtney Pine. This would be hated by Johnny because this is a jazz album. Oh, um, crikey! You yeah, said i never this... heard of Courtney Pine. No, I, I had a look, tried to have a list, but it's so far of my comfort zone to comment on. It might as well be a Moon Biscuit.
0: <laughs> Maybe it is a Moon Biscuit.
2: <laughs> so I, I don't know. I can say nothing about this album apart from it, it came in at number fifty-four on the thirty-first of January. However, at number fifty-eight, we have uh, "Shove It" by Cross. So. This is the debut album from the band The Cross, who is led by Roger Taylor of Queen, of course, the drummer in Queen. But in this, he played rhythm guitar and sang. And so I found this song on YouTube and put a link to it. Oh, good Lord. Oh, oh good Lord. How,
0: how we wish you hadn't.
2: <laughs> I was un- completely unaware of this, and I wish I'd stayed unaware. This song is terrible. The opening of the video is really creepy. It keeps, the sound keeps cutting out. It just keeps focusing mm. on this girl dancing really lecherously. It's horrible. It's weird. Um uh roger taylor wears far too much pale denim um <laughs> he really does he's, he's all in pale denim he's put proper denim to the max um it's the song's so bad the, the album actually also features freddie mercury brian may and john deacon so uh it's queen yeah it's queen.
0: we, we but, see that we've seen that a few times haven't we where the i'm gonna release a solo album do you not mind helping me out well <laughs> don't that make it a queen album nah, no, nah we're a quick... in a different order <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> absolutely uh this failed to chart in the u.s at all Oh, at no all. I'm not surprised. This was awful—an awful song. The, the chorus, oh my lord! Did you listen to the song?
0: Yeah, I did. I thought it was—I thought my instinct, my instinctive reaction was, "Christ, this is shit." And um, I thought, if the art of noise had sex with Brian May and he gave birth to a leathery husk-like egg, <laughs> and out of that egg spawned a guitar that could only be played by a leather-palmed bear, well, um, that would bungle. be the resulting sound. Yeah, that would be the resulting sound of that, that out, of be. that track. That's what it would be. That—that's how it came about.
2: Yeah. Because it's, it's it's basically just Roger uh, Roger Taylor shouting shove it about we want we, we want like cars we like oh, it's, girls it's got we got like awful this thing. and if you tell us not to mm. shove it it's like oh my god it's got
0: kind of it had that out of noisy style background Horror. sounds and it's just horrible horrible it horrible really thing. was horrible um it's, it's well, never mentioned very often is it that
2: no we will put that link to that in the um, show notes because we feel. That it must be shared with you. We sh- it must be shared. So you can you two
0: can shove it if you want to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Write your complaints to uh, Roger Taylor, Care of Queen. Finally, the last album of the month, number 89, was Count Your Blessings by Anne Williamson. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, it's a religious album featuring Morning Has Broken, All Things Bright and Beautiful and other tracks like that. Classic <laughs> tracks like, Meryn! <laughs> I cast you out, unclean spirit. <laughs> 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 yeah i don't know anything about that album i'm never going to know anything you can't well, watch a, it YouTube, a second but... album
0: of that was songs in the key of exorcism <laughs> um so uh and that had some classics on that dimmy uh, why dimmy was the favorite of mine on that uh
2: how far could you take a crucifix was the hit <laughs>
0: would you appear an altar boy fighter? And, and all the whole <laughs> There's, there's a whole gamut of songs that came out of that exorcism. There really so, is. The less we say about that, the better. I think The sucks. better.
2: Right, there we go. I told you there weren't much in the way of albums. There's a few interesting ones in that lot. So that's it. So we're going to go away, take a quick break. You can listen to some of the stuff. We will be back after that. Uh, and we've got, was it five? Five more games to get through. Um, we have. We so do. We did. Come back. Um. And the next part is brought to you uh, by the letter T. So we'll see you in a
0: bit. Good Lord,
2: Adrian, what is that you're holding? This, Graham, is juices for your junk. That's what this is. In this hot weather, it's basically saved me over the last couple of days from chafage, from all kinds of horrible things. This is crop preserver from
0: Manscaped. Literally, ball deodorant. Wow, okay. That's uh, (laughs) not something I would have thought of, but tell me more. I'm intrigued. Well, quick squirt of this
2: and a quick rub on the old lads downstairs. And I found that in this what outback style heat that we've just suffered over the last couple of days i was less shall we say sweaty there was less rubbing there was less chafage it was all very nice i could spread with impunity my partner didn't particularly like me spreading with impunity across the sofa but <laughs> hey ho them's the breaks you live and learn um so a bit of manscaping a bit of rubbing of the old crop preserver led me to a much more pleasant experience not that these last couple of days with this heat has been pleasant but it's certainly been more pleasant
0: than what it would have been down below do you have to do your own or can you would you you I mean would you do mine I'll do yours I'll do yours if, if you know we're, we're all friends we are all friends I'm not I'm not, re- I'm, not I'm not ready for that
2: <laughs> but I think there's only so far friendship goes I'll shake your hand and I'll have and I'll have some crop preserver on it you can take that and use it on yourself that's my final offer and if you like offers then if you go to Manscaped. Com and you use the code ZApped20 at Manscaped.com, you will get 20% off with free shipping. So, yes, get 20% off and free shipping with the code ZApped20 at Manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Are you keeping- And we are back for the final part of this episode. We've got five games to get through. They're all brought to you by the letter T, interestingly enough. Um, it's just the way it rolled. It did, yeah. T, T, T to the max. So let's get on with this. We've got, a, well, we've got a classic to start off with.
0: Tetris. Graham, tell us about Tetris. So this is brought to the Commodore 64 by Andromeda Software. Um, the graphics were by Stephen Thompson. The title screen's by Stephen Thompson. That's it. Yeah. It's you and me. The musician here... Wally Bebon, also known as Hagar, okay? Anyway, Tetris is obviously, well, maybe not obviously at the time, it's a puzzle... A uh, video game created by Soviet software engineer Alexey—is uh, that Pajitnov or Pajitnov? Pajitnov. Yeah. Back in 1984, in the latter part of the 80s, there was something of a license scramble for this, and um, the end result was poor Alexey was pretty much duped out of the licensing, right, licensing rights. He later got them back and got kind of stitched up by Andromeda Software and Mirosoft, who were uh, sold the rights to something. So, in June 1986, Robert Stein, an international software salesman for the London-based firm Andromeda Software, saw the game's commercial potential during a visit to Hungary. Now, at this time, Alexi's senior supervisor um, was somebody that had more experience in the world than Alexi's. Remember, this is behind the Iron Curtain at the time. So, this is Russia circa 1983, 84, very much behind the Iron Curtain. And so, Alexi went to his. Senior, I forget his name. It's something that, I forget, begins with B, but I can't remember it and I didn't write it down. But he goes to his su- supervisor and said, is there anything I can do with this? The supervisor leaked this game out to the world, essentially, really. And, and, and it sort of spread its way across the various continents. Anyway, ended up at this some somehow it ended up in front of this Robert Stein on a commercial sort of business trip when he was in Hungary. He acquired the rights to this, believe it or not, by duping them out of Alexei, by getting him to um, sign a, um, and have a fax, which was obviously fax to him. Alexei didn't know that the faxes at the time were legally binding documents. And so he was duped at this particular point out of the rights for Tetris. And then the Andromeda software then sold the European rights for £3,000 and a great big whopping part of the percentage of royalties to Mirosoft and some others and, and the company in the US who then could go on and produce variations of the game Tetris. So many variants of the game appeared, often across different computers, one of those, of course, being the Commodore 64. Meanwhile, poor Alexei, while he sat having created one of the best-selling game franchises of all time, was not getting much in the way of recompense until 1996, when the rights did finally revert back to him. Bit nasty, is it, that? Very. Um, it also made me laugh, by the way, that the co-founder of Mastertronic, Martin Alpler, said at the time, allegedly that no Soviet product will ever work in the Western world when he was demonstrated Tetris. and <laughs> are those words tasted for the 202 million copies were sold. <laughs> yeah. I actually, like, it tasted a, a little bit like stupid. Pure moon stupid biscuit. T- That's what moon biscuit tastes like. 200, 202 million copies sold on something you went, dah, no time. Anyway. <laughs> Just turn your um, head to the left. <laughs> <laughs> so Tetris is primarily composed of a field of play which pieces of different geometric forms called tetronimos or tetronymos, Tetrominoes, yeah, Tetrominoes, descend from the top of a field. During this descent, the player can move the pieces laterally, oh, because I've left and right to so you and me, and rotate them until they touch the bottom of the field or land on the piece that has been placed before it. The player can neither, neither slow down the falling pieces nor stop them in this variant, but can accelerate them. In most versions, the objective of the game is to use the pieces to create as many horizontal lines of blocks as possible. When a line is completed, it disappears, and the blocks placed above fall one rank down. Completing lines grants points and accumulating a certain number of points or lines cleared moves the player up a level, which increases the number of points granted per completed line. And in most versions, the speed of the falling pieces gradually increases as each level goes up, leaving the player with less time to think about the placement. The player can clear multiple lines at once, which can earn bonus points in some versions. I don't think it does in the C64 version though. And it's possible to complete up to four lines simultaneously with the use of the long sort of tetromino. This move is called a Tetris and is the basis of the game's title. If the player cannot make the blocks disappear quickly enough, the field will start to fill. And when the pieces reach the top of the field and prevent the arrival of additional pieces, the game ends. At the end of each game, the player receives a score based on the number of lines they have completed. The game never ends with the player's victory. The player can only complete as many lines as possible before an inevitable loss. So that's Tetris. That's how it came to be. Um, and it's a game from a long time ago, but a very clever game. And of course it's gone on later to be a crazy, crazy popular thing. I think it must've sold a billion Nintendo devices at some point. Mm-hmm. All prior to poor Alexi getting his rights back, which is unbelievable really anyway. C64 version then is really strangely themed. And I now I have to say, I think this looks, the graphics on this, I think they look brilliant. The actual outer graphics, the sort of the strange looking kind of, statuesque kind of chromium looking objects, all really beautifully drawn by the legendary SIT. They're really, really nice. They've got a really nice chrome effect. The typeface is glorious at the top with Tetris. It's glorious. In fact, so glorious that it actually made it as an actual typeface on the C64 and made it into many, many demos, one of which I've even used in a demo. So it's it's a beautiful typeface created for, for that kind of tubular chromium. Really nice. Now, it's not really linked to Tetris in any way that I could make sense of, any of that. No, I don't think. no, it's not. <laughs> no, so it's just it's just pretty prettying around the edges. It's just a different kind of background, but at least it's it's kind of tastefully done. It's kind of nice. It adds a nice sort of original tonality to proceedings because the game of Tetris itself is the game of Tetris. The main Tetris game is obviously played in the kind of column that you would expect it to be in. That lives down the middle of the screen, or is it the middle and slightly offset to the left, I think, but either way, it's the center of the screen, really. And you control the Tetrominos. With your joystick now, I found them in the C64 version. They're a bit flickery, yes. Um, where I expected smooth scrolling. Now I hadn't played this a lot on the C64. I have to tell you because it's just it, it was never a game that really caught my attention back then. It's crazy. It, it, obviously, later down the line, everyone seems to only knew about it, but back then it was just a little bit of an anomaly. And I'd heard of maybe heard of it, but it was never never anything that really caught my attention. Even later down on the Nintendo devices, I was never that struck on it. But anyway, so this c64 version the graphics around the side are all aside the actual game graphics the sprites as the of the tetrominos, they're kind of flickery and they don't smooth scroll like you'd expect and kind of kind of disappear and reappear really when you're kind of moving them around you control the rotation with the fire button and you press down to accelerate the piece or in my instance make it vanish and reappear towards the bottom it's kind of a bit off-putting really Mm -hmm. i think because i'm so used to playing tetris versions that don't do those things that this flickery version kind of caught made me think ooh so it's it's tetris in that way and you know you play it for high scores i think is it the greatest version of tetris itself no not by a long stretch but it is tetris and it has that kind of addictability i suppose if you like it i just think it's a bit flickery now the music does deserve a very special mention for this because there's a stunning hypnotic 25 minute plus Wally Bebon score for this game and it is something very special it uses very subtle sampling it's four channel it uses very subtle sampling to create a really hypnotic trance style effect that kind of goes with the game in a way that you would never expect it to. It almost feels almost Egyptian sounding. Now it's no accident that Wally Beban did the scores for both Dark Side and Total Eclipse, the, the the freescape games that come after Driller, because that you can almost hear the tonality of Total Eclipse when you're playing this. It's got that. It's got that hypnotic drum B. It's got this really nice thematic. I think the soundtrack for this is the real winner. And the graphics around the edges beautiful. The game itself, well, it's an okay version of Tetris, but everything else around this is pretty cool. Now it's full price, I think at eight ninety five. So that's quite a lot for a Tetris game, but back then maybe it wasn't. I suppose more upsetting, really, is that eight ninety five of that never went any anywhere near the guy that created that wonderful game. And I think that's that's the perhaps the greatest shame of all of this is that the guy that created this game not never got any of the rights any of the rewards or anything till much later after this. So I think that's perhaps this, the great tragedy of this Tetris version, but taking that aside there's an amazing soundtrack for this and those sit graphics really are something to behold on a 64 because they really do look kind of metal and chrome. So mm. that sets it apart in kind of good ways, but the main game, well, just kind of a version of Tetris and not a great one for me, but it's Tetris, so. Yeah. What about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, what do you say about Tetris? Eh? what I mean, Let's talk about this version. It's, it's okay. It's not a brilliant version, but even a, a half playable version of Tetris is something that's going to sink its hooks into you because it's just in it, with by its very nature is just. And whether that's just me, and I'll come to that in a little bit. But for me, Tetris is a one of those pure design you, you can't do anything more to it there's loads been done there's loads tried people tried to do more to it but you know the single player tetris version is just it's just perfect it's just one of the most perfect games ever made and uh, you know it, of, of games that come from that the, the, there's still versions of it being made and still twist on it and take so it, uh, it's brilliant um this one yeah it is a bit flickery and weirdly as well it takes a little while because yeah pushing down immediately transports your block to the bottom which is odd sort of thing normally that sort of speed up if you're in the wrong yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if you're in going into the wrong space you'll crap stop moving it and adjust it and this is like you better know you kind of get around that after a little bit of play you kind of read the screen a bit better but it's it's tricky at the start Yeah, it is what it is also I found that when the game starts to speed up when you get quite quite far into it the The inability to spin and move your block, you can't do both at the same time, get quite frustrating and it makes it harder than it needs to be. And I think that's where that flickeriness really starts to sort of become a bit of a hindrance mm. to those higher higher level of play when you when you get quite far into it. Visually, yeah, it's nice enough. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, let's take, there's two things to this game. Isn't there? There's the Tetris in the middle and then the outside bit. So you know, whatever they are, uh, the background yeah, image yeah, is, yeah. is great. It's brilliant. It's very arty. And I think what what it is is just they've gone. Well, we fit Tetris in 20K. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: What do we do? Oh, let's put a really cool picture and a massive piece of music. Uh, okay. Because yeah. we'll just fill up the you know thing. And it's, it's a great piece of music. 25 minutes, Wally bebble Wally Bebbels, sorry. It burbles away as you find yourself playing time and time again. It's great. It's a great piece of music. And it does lend to that hypnotic nature of the game where you just, just start to get into that tetris zone and that music really fits quite well i really do like it i love tetris in fact but i do find it hard to go back to there's a reason for this and in the in the i don't know if you know this about me in the late 90s i had a game boy um i bought a game boy and i had uh, pokemon red and tetris the two games i bought i played pokemon for about 10 minutes now nah, one for me i played tetris though for literally hundreds of hours um i mastered that version on the game boy i could um, i could beat game mode b i think it was uh at the highest levels so the level nine speed six whatever it was or level five speed nine where it starts off with a load of blocks already on there and it's moving up like, down and you had to sort of quick i could do it i could get it i could get the space shuttle blasting off the rocket blasting off the mice dancing i was just i was just a savant uh, that was one of those games something where i played played so much i was like perfect at it Problem was, and this I mean, this is a you know recognized thing with it. I started to get Tetris dreams, so I was seeing blocks in real life. I was just seeing things falling. I was seeing them in my dreams, so it's really weird. Um, I was so hooked that I had to stop. I I sold I sold my Game Boy. <laughs> because I had to get rid of it. I literally had to get rid of, sell of it um, oh to, to actually break this cold. Because I just couldn't stop playing it. I was so addicted to this game through the years of about, um, I think I got it about 98 was. And um, I bought it cheap, just a cheap second hand Game Boy. And, and I must have been for a few years. And I was just, I just couldn't stop playing it. So it's it's hard for me to go back to Tetris because as soon as I start playing it, it's not hard for me just to sort of I just start seeing it again and doing it. So it's it's just weird. It's it's one of those. I love it. I think it's an amazing game, but I did have a period where I was severely addicted to this game to the point where I was like just doing it all hours of the day. I was just playing Tetris. Wow. Crazy. I know, um, and even just going back to it now, it's like you still feel that law. It's a, an addiction. It's a strange thing. Um, it's was Tetris and, Tetris Anonymous. Yeah, I should do. Yeah, yeah. I've I've not played Tetris now for forty eight days. Uh, you get they, they give you a, they give you a thing. Your badges is a block it's square yeah, so. one and L one <laughs> <laughs> the cross. It's <laughs> like torture. <laughs> Yeah, amazing concept this, just bad for my brain. I just, we all have addictions to certain things. We can all get into certain things at certain points. It's why I've never gone and played. And people ask me, you know, oh, you like video games? You know, you play World of Warcraft and things like that. I go, no, no. Because I think that'd be dangerous. Because I think I just get very highly addicted to that kind of rote repetition, you know, online stuff, and I'd be very bad. Yeah, man. I I, I stay away from things like that because I think I could fall into those kind of pits and holes. So I don't want to. Tetris was kind of an an eye opener in that respect for me because it's so simple and so quick. Because you you know, you play a game and you can be over in a few minutes and it's just quick start. And that Game Boy, the Game Boy version, you just had the Game Boy with you. You just took it with you. So it was yeah on the bus wherever it was. You know. It was cr- crazy this is an okay version of it it's not brilliant it's not as good as the game boy version which i know inside out back to front but yeah it's great helped by a great piece of music i love tetris it it deserves entirely that 94 percent, if not higher in my my opinion but probably not this version so yeah i think 94 may be a bit too high for this version but the underlying concept certainly deserves higher than that but there you go tetris i have to be wary of it <laughs> hey i didn't know that but now i do you do
0: well, that explains a great deal actually because i've noticed that uh, if i'm when I was building a wall in my garden I'm <laughs> yeah. putting the bricks down, you sat to break out in a sweat and then threw a <laughs> sausage at me from the barbecue and it was on fire. I thought, why did
2: why did you do that? It's because you were <laughs> bent over in those tight shorts. <laughs> they were, they were oh so tight. They I could see the whole shorts. of the moon biscuit. <laughs> I, I sung by the water boys. And I keep my boys. moon
0: biscuit neatly trimmed.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, you do. I sung by the water boys. You saw the whole of the moon biscuit. <laughs>
0: yes well thankfully the sausage never landed in our moon biscuit it was, <laughs> that was a bad shot would have been painfully bur- a burning sensation Absolutely. in the wrong ways
2: I know and just like uh, the, if you get a full line of Tetris would have
0: quickly disappeared it would yeah it would wouldn't have leveled up it would have been a, a Tetris and that would have been me yelling and scre- screaming for the moon biscuit so
2: indeed there we go that's Tetris it's yeah it's Tetris what do you say let's move on let's move on to the next one so our next one this is a disco game this is 15 pound I got 83% somehow. Uh this is Thunder Chopper.
0: Now, there's a stupid title. name Can there's I just say from the get go stupid name for a game. Thank you <laughs> yeah. very much. Thank you.
2: But can I just say this is this this is not a game about Hulk Hogan's character in Rocky 3 and what he keeps down his pants. Thunderlips is <laughs> one game, yeah. Thunderlips is Thunder Chopper. <laughs> Oh no! This is another hardcore helicopter flight sim, cut from the same old as things like Gunship, Super Huey, things of that type. You remember them, don't you? You remember them? Unfortunately, um, yeah. Anyway, in this, you get to pilot the Hughes Five Thirty MG Defender. I'm guessing that's a helicopter, some kind of helicopter. I don't know what type of helicopter it is. It's it's some kind of helicopter. One of those. I think it's one of those with the rounded front and the you
0: know, whatever. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: But it's some kind of helicopter. It's loaded to the gills with rockets and other armaments and stuff to blow other helicopters away with and anything on the floor and things like that. And you can fly it, whatever. I couldn't find any credits for this. It simply comes from Action Soft. Action Soft. Action. Action Soft. Action. Once the game loads, which takes a while, there's a lot of long just- loading. Uh, in this episode, uh, you present it with a fairly bland title screen with several options. It reminded me of another flight simulator that had a really similar title screen that was just loaded text and options. Can't remember what it was. I don't That'd know if it was Ace. That. I don't know if it was Ace. <laughs> Might have been. Uh, it looked very similar. But anyway, it seems to be the Doriga. Oh, and there's the there's the loading screen as well, which is a you, you kind of get the impression of the helicopter. It's got the word Thunder Chopper across the bottom, but for some reason they felt the need to put the T at a jaunty angle. I
0: know. And it, it's just wrong.
2: I think it? quite understand. <laughs> Put the T at a jaunty angle. Okay, if you say so. All right, Yes, yeah, so it's loaded. You've got several options. These options are demonstration, where you can watch a demo of the game and the things the helicopters helicopter can do. Flight training, where you've got to fly around, follow a black line and land and take off. Rescue alert, where you've got to rescue some people. Combat alert, where you've got to shoot some people and buildings and uh, things. Armed escort, where you've got to protect things from being destroyed. And finally, rescue at sea, where you've got to rescue people at sea and land on a ship i think i didn't play that once i don't know there are also three levels of difficulty with pilot instructor and commander uh i presume that's offering easy medium and hard um but that's what they are uh, i couldn't find a manual for this so you know it's i'm just checking all i could find was an instruction sheet of what keys did what um once you've chosen a mission and a difficulty and waited for more loading you're giving a briefing screen telling you what the mission entails so uh, so for the flight training, it goes, just follow the black lines, land and think when what it tells you to do it, and just get round do the stuff. In the combat alert, it goes, right, you got to blow up some stuff to the north, some stuff to the northeast, and some stuff to the east. There's uh, some jets you got to blow up, some rockets, and some other bits and bobs. Go kill them. And th- that's what it does. So at that point, you can accept it, or you can chicken out back to the main menu to choose something else if the mission is not for your liking. The main view of the game, once it starts, is your standard first person from the cockpit of the helicopter. Um, and I thought this was quite nicely done, actually, um, because the instrument panel doesn't take up the whole of the bottom screen like it does in most other of these games, it's modelled so you have windows as you would do on these kind of rounded helicopters to the bottom left and bottom right. So as well as the big window taking up the top half of the screen, so it actually feels the model it to sort of you know give you that wraparound view as if you're inside the, the helicopter cockpit, and that's quite nice, I think. So it adds to the feeling of being there in that cockpit of the helicopter. Because it's also through these lower windows as well that you see your missiles launch and things like that when you fire them off, which is quite a nice touch. I, I thought that was that was quite good from a visual point of view. It's mm. one of the nicer elements of it. Um because it could have just been UI at the bottom you know dashboard and helicopter stuff at the top but they've tried a little bit so go actually well what could you see from your viewpoint this is what you can see all right cool there's many controls in this to get your head around um as is ever with these kind of things you've got f1 brings up a map of the area which you can zoom in on and move around and have a look and find stuff f5 brings up the status of your chopper uh was it f3 actually sorry f3 brings up the status of your chopper (laughs) so you can check if it's been damaged (laughs) ouch Um, I'm a child. Uh F five takes you back to the main menu and F seven gives you an evaluation of your flying. You once you get going there, you got you you're your helicopter starts off cold. So it's not running. You start it off by pressing the run stop key, uh, which I guess run or stop. Yeah. Okay. Which makes it make sense. Um, and that starts the engine up and the helicopter is controlled through a mixture of keys and joystick. So in the middle of the main, when you, uh, main window is a target reticule. So at your windscreen, essentially is a target reticule and you move this around with a joystick without pressing the fire button. Don't press the fire button and you just move this around. So if you move the target reticule to the left, it moves all the way across the screen as well. And left and right, If it moves to the left or right, it will turn you. The further it gets away to the right of the screen or the left of the screen, the sharper the turn, the sharper you'll bank, turn round. If you push it up or down, if you push it up, then you, you know, you'll tilt, Tilt your helicopter forwards, which will then move you, move you, start moving you forwards. If you've got speed up, if you pull it back, it'll tip you upwards and move you back. Um, and that's how you get your speed up and everything. Um, if you hold down the fire button, um, if you push up or down, this raises and lowers your altitude. I can't remember what they call it in the game itself. It's a weird Is it the pitch or the yaw or the no, choke it's, or the began, yoke or It began with there. a C. It's, it, it, I can't, I didn't, I didn't understand the, what, what it term maybe a helicopter term. I'm not sure, but essentially it lowers your altitude and pushing, you know, so it, it increases that, so it pushes more power to it so put, go makes you go up and down basically which is what you want because when you push forward you'll start to go down a bit so you need to kind of put more power to going upwards and that's holding the fire button down pushing up and le- up and down if you push the fire button and press to the right that will cycle through your weapons and you've got missiles you've got three types of missiles basically and and, and rock and sort of a uh, uh, cannon gun gunfire um, and if you push left and fire, that fires whatever weapon you, you've got. It's kind of an odd control system, but you kind of get used to it. Although I did fire off missiles by mistake quite
0: a lot. Um, yeah, it's easy but- done. Yeah.
2: A lot of these controls are replicated on the keyboard, apart from the firing of uh, weapons and stuff. And you can also cycle the rotors for stuff. Uh, but I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't understand the part. I did press the button and suddenly I was in a different part of the map. I didn't know what I'd done. So God knows what was going on there. Uh, the UI at the bottom, so your dashboard, shows you your RPM, your, your torque, your fuel level, how long you've been flying for, your altitude and bearing, along with your speed, your heading, and there's some other dials and readouts. But again, I didn't know what they were for. There's something someone's got like a minus goes down to a minus twenty and up to a positive twenty. I wasn't, I couldn't figure them out. Like I was flying around and stuff and they were they were changing and moving. I was like, okay, they must be something. It's standard fare, really, for this type of game. There's, you know, so if you played or looked at one of these before, if you like this kind of thing and you like helicopter dials and readouts, you, you you'll know the drill here. It's all what it is. We've said it before earlier Chuck Yeager. The speed of this game is what you would expect from something like this. Although in the review it does say that it does play faster on a Commodore one two eight. So you might want to try it on that if you have one. Supposedly the demo demo takes five minutes to go through on a C sixty four. Only six three minutes on a C one two eight. So I don't know. It's not particularly fast. I don't know if even on the C one two eight be that fast. That much faster. But who knows? The visuals themselves. There are a lot of green and blue. Um, your typical view of the world. Um, although you can press i to go into infrared mode and then it's a lot of brown and gray Um, (laughs) um, and you can go over the sea where it's a lot of different kinds of blue and blue so as these kinds of games go you know know what to expect there's there's some stuff there's a nice bit um if when you um put your target reticule over a a target on the floor like a truck or something like that within there's a little sort of like kind of like what we had in Driller in the middle where it shows you what the graphic of you or what you're controlling it gives a little uh, graphic pops up of what you're actually aiming at like a little truckle up here there or a helicopter or something that's quite nice so that's quite it's quite a good sort of touch so you know what you're shooting at look as these as these kind of games go it, it it's a it's a solid entry i guess if you like these things there's some nice ideas there's a good sense of putting you into the cockpit of the helicopter itself and i guess for that it should be commended with five missions though it, it, it seems a bit limited i mean but i suppose there's three difficulty levels to go at it might keep be going for a while if this kind of flight fight sim is your thing it's not doing anything new over something like gunship i don't think but as an alternative to that and being a little more streamlined than that game was it's quite quick to get you into it loading aside this may suit some players a little more for me though it's just another entry into a genre i just don't think the c64 does very well because it's not powerful enough and some nice touches can't overcome the jerky update and slow speed of it all for me and despite the name there's nothing really thunderous about it the, the sound effects are your typical <laughs> to simulate a chopper and there's some explosions and stuff. It's all, it's okay. If you like this sort of thing. And if it is, you'll probably dig this. It's not for me though. These things never are because they're just too slow. And there's, there's too much. It expects too much of me for too little reward. That's the problem I have with them. You have to put too much in and you get too little out and this is no different. So that's what I thought of Thunder Chopper. What about
0: you? Another simulator. 15 quids worth of disc simulation here. Another one Mm. trying to steal the gunship crown, I think here in this particular instance. It looks like they all do. A window giving insight into a series of blocky lines and colours all juddering around with an attempt at a soundscape that here revolved around a helicopter-style rotor blade sound and missiles that sounded like someone trying to suck up the last dregs of a milkshake with a straw. Um, it's okay it had okay controls for this kind of thing if you go with it and I can see how gunship lovers would really probably go for it too and they'll probably get all giddy about it. And I, and then maybe you'd get more out of it if you're into that kind of thing. And you, you've got to have that forgiveness that I mentioned before in the Chip Jaegers, and we've mentioned it many, many times. So um, I did like, as you did, some of the minor details in this. I did like the zoom on the map. It was actually quite a good zoom. It felt kind of almost a uh, satellite view where you sort of zoomed in. I quite like that. Mm-hmm. I like the guns being viewable in the corners when you fired. That is a nice touch. Those little things do make little differences, but they're, you know, that's perfume on a pig really for me. <laughs> Um, it's, it's all good, these things and there's decent ideas, but you've either got, you either like this kind of juddering, horrific visual simulation of something or other. And you go with that and you find that a compelling Helicopter-based experience, or like me, you're just reaching for the off button, thinking I've seen all this before and I didn't like it in all the other versions I've seen. I wasn't sure if there was a, is the, it, I think it might have helped if this game had a little bit more story, maybe backstory or something. It didn't feel like there was a lot of thought to that. So it's, it's all simulator and, and no no narrative. This one, yeah, I don't think there's any like sort of through line between the
2: missions. It's just five missions. Once you completed them, job done.
0: Yeah, so it's just fly fly this thing and just and you know you'll enjoy it because you're flying and maybe you do. Maybe maybe there's a thrill I'm not getting in um, i remember a friend of mine having i think one of the variations of these type of games on the sinclair spectrum i forget which one and they got really into it they were like really cool they're really into it now pressing the engine start and slowly lifting le- you know lifting off the ground because they're levitating them but lifting off the ground yeah. and <laughs> and all of those things maybe there's a space for you know maybe there's a room room for that kind of thinking i don't know it just never like all these things vector based games these kind of simulation games and any combination of those even with bits of 3d filled in whatever they're never reaching me because i don't like this kind of thing it just doesn't appeal to me um but it does appeal to somebody. You got a good review, didn't it? 83%. It's not terrible. Mm. Um, I think it's just, it's a little bit of an Aldi version of gunship really. Um, But I think there's some little touches in that do render it a little bit interesting if you like that kind of game, but it ain't one that I'm ever going to get into again. Thankfully I'll never have to load it again and I won't. (laughs) No,
2: neither will I. I will never actually need to think about Thunder Chopper ever again.
0: No. No. And I um, don't doubt that that's also the name of a porn movie at somewhere. Oh, it must don't
2: be. It. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah, from the 80s. Yeah, Thunder Chopper. <laughs> Maybe the next one is as well. Let's move on to the next one. And Graham, you said you couldn't get this running. This was Trivial Fruit.
0: Well, I got most of it running, apart from the part that's the most important bit, which that's is asking, where it's asking you questions. Yeah. Um, so Trivial Fruit is a budget $2.99 Trivial Pursuit derivative with extra added fruity bits for good measure. Mm. So an odd little budget thing this, isn't it? A take, like I said, a take on Trivial Pursuit. Um, you start off with uh, extensive loading in the game. There's a lot of loading in this one. Um, and maybe that was just my... If, um, emulated version. I'm not sure what it is actually loading though because it can't be that title screen. It can't be that loading screen. It must be question data but it took ages to load. I got to this, the start screen as it were where you've got to press the function keys to do stuff. So you choose your number of players um, you can uh, type in your name and choose your number of players. Then you choose your question timing because you can actually add extended timing or have no timing. Now, when it's at no timing, I never got to questions being asked of me, so I had no idea whether that affected it in any way. But either it way, it does. Yeah, um, I imagine it just gives you extended time. You can choose the long or the short version of the game; they're the different variants. And I think the difference is that one of them you've got to fill your fruit card with cr- when you get the correct answers. I think you get that fruit, and you get there was a card on the screen, and I didn't ever get to play it, but I'm guessing you have either fill the card or if it's the short game. I think you have to get three fruits of a kind. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe you can clarify that when when uh, when you play. But either way, that that's the, I got that far and then that was it i got displayed with uh it it said loading the questions and one thing that did grab me at this point was that it came with an option where i could load in the question set that was with it or i could load in my own questions. so i'm guessing that somewhere with this is actually a question editing tool where you can enter your own questions and save them so you can actually create your own trivial pursuit type game i think that's pretty interesting i mean it must take ages but i think that's pretty interesting to be able to do that load and save your own questions into a game like this that's pretty cool that gives it a bit of longevity Mm -hmm. these things always succeed in multiplayer Unfortunately for me, it didn't succeed in any player because that's as far as I got with it. I got the screen with five images of different fruits and a grid, and it just said "questions loading" and they never loaded again. Uh, okay. And um, so, so what what did actually happen after that?
2: Well what happens that yeah so I, I i did get the questions loaded um it is an odd odd combo this trivial pursuit come fruit machine mashup it's not something i thought i'd uh i'd be seeing a lot of but there you go yeah so what happens is essentially the question section is that if you play the short game you are right you just got to get three three of your um uh your fruit lit up and then you win if you have played the long game you got to get them all lit up so you got to get Answer fifteen. You got to get fifteen questions right across them all. Now this does lead to problems, sort of thing, because what the way the questions work is, it'll give you the question at the top of the screen, and then it'll give you five options one is correct isn't it? yeah it's multi-choice five options one is correct four or not if you whichever one is right is you get a fruit in that line so i can't remember the fruits you actually have is like pear apple melon It's this plum melon whatever there's five, of, five them. of them. five of them in there and so you've got to get them all so this does rely on the right answer being in the right line um mm. because obviously you know if you're waiting for one in line four and the correct answer is in line two or three or one or five, you're never going to get it it's like hey i need that um, so it does have that kind of a weirdness to it um, but it works you know you ask the, ask the questions you can change the timer actually in game as well while you're playing so if you're thinking because oh, sh- oh, I set it to 10 seconds and then I was like oh it's, that's not very long so you can actually just press the button again to to extend it or take the timer off completely which is quite nice so actually in game you can you know we've made a mistake there instead of having to quit out and restart you can just change that so that's quite a nice touch there's a lot There's a lot going in this it's, it is what it is it's, it's perfectly you know you can have up to four players playing I think you get asked the questions. The main problem with it playing it now is so much of the knowledge you need for answering the questions and things are things that may have been in the common culture of the time that they're lost. Yeah. How do you know? How do you know who Jane Asher married?
0: No, Mister Asher.
2: (laughs) Mister Asher. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like questions like, "Hey, like, uh, see, when you find yourself just jabbing at an answer, maybe some you will probably know, like who who created the atom bomb or who's responsible for creating the atom bomb or something like that. So some are more historical. There are different kinds of uh questions and things like that but a lot of them i found a lot of them where you need to know this from around this time and it's like okay and that that does age a lot of these games to make them quite bad i don't think it's as bad as that one we played back ages ago that paul norman one no but then again probably because this was made in the uk so it's maybe more uk based where that paul norman was very american based Mm. so you know this is where you are but it works i mean well it worked for me um and for three for three quid if you have a group of friends, want a bit of a question and answer section, you know, you haven't got Trivial Pursuit, and you think, well, we'll put this on and we'll play this. Yeah, it might be all right, but I think it's a decent package. It's a little spare in the visuals and sound. There's not really thingy, but it's not really why you play this, is it? Cheap and easy to play alternative to the official game of Trivial Pursuit. Got 88%. Can see why, because I imagine they stuck this on in the zap towers and probably had a bit of a laugh with it and answered the questions and played trivial fruit mm. with each other for, for a while. It's that kind of game. It And when it works and it's okay, and like you said, being, it probably would take a while, but if you were that kind of person just to put in a load of questions that you're getting out of the papers and stuff and just building that data set up, you could probably, you know, oh, I've created a new set of questions. Let's play again.
0: You might be waiting six months for it to load. No problem, is it? <laughs> you might be. Uh, I meant to say, by the way, this is by Roy Titchard and it was presented by Pirate Software. Just like... It is, yes. It is indeed. I forgot to, I forgot oh. to say.
2: Yeah. But there you go. True Pursuit. Uh, yeah, actually, wait, got 88%. It's just, those then those kind of games work they're all right and this was okay i do think it we are looking at it from a british point of view so it's yeah. a british
0: game and i think it wins for me the dumb name award for a game because it's just you can't just throw those words together and go that's the game trivial fruit like, what, well, okay could you think of a better name for that i know i know you <laughs> trivial pursuit fruit okay but you know, maybe yeah. trivial per fruit or something i don't know but <laughs> it's like when a friend of mine did a game called petris um, <laughs> and the things falling down were just different animals instead of, and they were in the shapes of the tetris blocks the Tetronimos, but they were little animals like dogs and cats See, so yeah so okay. it's petris Petrus, fair yeah, enough so trivial per fruit would have been better
2: but that would not make any sense trivial fruit because it's a fruit machine it's trivial trivial machine
0: but, yeah but no we can't call it trivial fruit machine that's that's, that's awful i know tri- Trivial fruit tri- trivial per fruit because it's instead of trivial pursuit it doesn't make any sense but it doesn't matter <laughs> okay you, know, you can you're connecting trivia with fruit yeah true although it did make me think when was the last time that someone asked you questions for fruit just generally uh i don't, uh, I don't know if it's, it's ever happened to me but i, I think it was last thing. thursday i think
2: <laughs> uh, where i when live go is strange, to Aldi. <laughs> where i live was a strange
0: town yeah they're, they're not allowed to give you any kind of fruit in the local supermarket unless you answer riddles three or whatever <laughs> absolutely you cannot have these grapes unless you answer these riddles oh really it seems like a lot for all right i'll go to tesco no i don't have to come here <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: So yeah, Thursday. There you go. I really needed that pear as well. I didn't know the answer to that. You get nothing for a pear. Not in this game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's move on. Let's move on quickly. show your fruit is all right. Uh, next up it's full price one uh this is the adventures of sammy hagar or known to you and i as trantor the last stormtrooper trantor (laughs) indeed all right okay now i know we moan quite a lot about games being too hard most of the time but when i got to 76 percent completed on my second go of this then i think something's flipped in the opposite direction here on this one anyway uh yeah so this is a a conversion from I believe from the Spectrum original um, where this first appeared. This is uh, this was ported by Brian O'Shaughnessy um, who had also made Dicky's Diamonds and The Adventures of Basil and Bond. Um, so he'd had her hands in. Them. Oh
0: my God! <laughs> so yes.
2: Uh, anyway, for some reason, yeah. So that's what this is. It's made. It was released by Probe robe you won't forget that on that title screen
0: you won't will you so it sort of dances and shouts in your face
2: yeah yeah anyway for some reason you've been abandoned alone there's multiple um stories to this I'm going to go with this one. You've been abandoned alone on an alien planet and your only hope of escape is to activate the planet's main computer that lies somewhere within the terminal building. And that's it. There's no other story. That's it. If you look on... I found like multiple images of the backs of cassette boxes and some have more where your, your um, people that were on your spaceship have abandoned you and they cast you out and all kinds of stuff like this. The w- weird stories about it. Anyway, it's odd. Um, I don't think they could really decide in it. That's it, really. Off you go. When the game loads, we are treated to i'll talk about there's an intro for it before that but let's talk about the game bit we're treated to an animated probe logo i don't know why maybe the name of the game would have been better you know uh you know title screen usually has the name of the game not a dancing logo for the company that made it Mm. no that was kind of weird pressing the fire button because that's all you can do uh gets you the instructions on how to play and they cannot be skipped and they play every time you start a new game every time
0: oh my god it drove me mad
2: yeah it's quite frustrating to sit through each time i played this about three or four times but yeah every time i, was like, I have to listen to this again anyway the game itself is a side on bi-directional shooter uh view so but person shooter so it's not a uh You control a person, not a spaceship. You control the last stormtrooper, Trantor. So the bottom two-thirds of the screen are the scrolling play area, whilst the top third is taken up with your UI. So it's talking about the middle the UI. The middle of the UI has a timer counting down from 90. And should this reach zero, it's game over. To the right of this is your health, which is a vertical bar, which goes down as you get hit. And to the left is the fuel for your flamethrower, because that's the only weapon you have. The rest of the UI is just some fancy visuals taking up space. Yeah, That's that's it. We've just drawn some nice visuals to fill up some screen space. All right, okay. Um, In the play space, though, where you actually play this game, you control Trantor. He's a large and well-grown single-colour sprite that is very well-drawn and animated. Even if, did you notice this? And it looks like it in the screenshots. Even if the sprites don't seem like they were put together properly, as there are two black lines, it seems to imply the sprite positions are slightly off. It's
0: it's because it's three sprites stacked on top of one another and not done very well.
2: No, they haven't. So you move him left or right, with the left or right, you've got up for jump, down for crouch, and fire button to send off a blast of your flamethrower. The game takes place along a series of wraparound corridors, which you must run down. So you can head left or right, whichever way you go, it'll just wrap around, you'll end up back at the beginning. There are eight levels that are linked with lifts, and pressing up or down when you're on one of these will take you in that direction. So you find these lifts that are about these levels, these corridors, you press up, goes up it goes down it goes down to the next one upon each corridor on each corridor sorry there are three things that you will find mostly there is a terminal it's like a computer which will reset the timer back to 90 and give you a letter of the code you need to activate the main computer there are some fuel cells to refill your flamethrower and there is a cupboard to search which may give you some health uh, a pass card some fuel or various other things items um and that's it if you try and search it again it'll tell you off <laughs> stormtrooper you have already searched this you've
0: been in there god's sake move on
2: stop yeah that's quite annoying though because you have to pull down to search it and sometimes you want to crouch when there's aliens coming at you and you pull down and suddenly you get into this loop of annoying, don't
0: even get me started
2: on annoying that. So you move from level to level looking for the three things and you find the lift and you move down. And that's it, really. Uh, whilst you do this, you are constantly beset by floaty, completely out-of-place enemies that are blue, shades of blue, and do not fit the surroundings at all. They're just weird designs of sprites because you need to be beset by stuff. So they said, just design some sprites. All right. I think they look like they're from another game, just stuck in this. As yeah, you they delve do. deeper into the levels, you will, you will also get attacked by alien Geiger knockoffs and they look like they fit this game much better. Don't know what the sprites are though; it's weird. Yep. But but everything is killed by one blast of the flamethrower. So there's no difference in how to deal with these things that bother you. You've got one one option. You can either, you can duck under some, but it's a pain in the ass. You can try and jump over them, but you, you, you'll I'll tell you why that's a problem in a minute. You just got to try and shoot them with your flamethrower and hope you make connection. There's a real lack of depth or challenge to this as each corridor is really quite short and only takes about a minute to run around it and thus you find everything it has to offer and head down the lift to the next one so there's only eight you can start to see how you can get 76 percent in about five minutes the main issue is just that you're constantly bothered by the annoying enemies and nothing seems to be considered you are a massive sprite so the corridor is not big enough to cope with your jump. You almost take up the height of the corridor. You can only fire your flamethrower in a small percentage of the corridor because you can't aim it up or down. So it fires from your waist straight out. And thus, if you jump, you'll hit the ceiling quite quickly. So you can get the flamethrower up slightly a little bit, or if you and if you crouch, it'll move down a little bit. So it fires from. So there's the, a the problem here because there are en- there are many enemies that attack from the bottom or the top of the corridor, and they are. Uh, out of reach of your flamethrower and you can't hit them. And it's too awkward to jump over them and too awkward to duck under them. So you're constantly getting hit by things you can't avoid. That's the problem. The main sprite is also single colour. The enemies are multicolor, and the backgrounds are a mix of tech caves and alien style backgrounds. None of these gel together into a cohesive visual style. None. Everything looks like it's from three different games. Looks like the backgrounds from a different game. Looks like the sprites are from us like a 2D shooter, space shooter. And the main sprite looks like it should be in some kind of thing like something else. We saw this similarly. in in that um what was that other one the really hard one where you were walking from the left to the right flick screen one not elidon began with an exelon that's right i had a similar style where it had the single color sprite and really multicolored backgrounds and that's it really doesn't work not for me anyway uh the sound is a mix of decent sound effects and tunes i guess but nothing really stands out it's, it's all right there's some nice tunes the opening sequence though i'll just come back to the opening secrets when the game loads you see the it's really quite nice it's really nice visuals you think oh this is going to be quite interesting you see basically it sees the player's ship travel down a really long mine shaft uh before it lands on a platform and then your stormtrooper who is also much smaller and, and a multi-colored sprite here jumps out turns around beckons for people to follow him and i don't know why he does that because he's the only survivor so who is he beckoning to makes no sense who's he waving at it's only him none of it makes any sense really on top of that the game is despite being set all the time really easy so like I said, seventy six percent once again we have an ill conceived tech demo disguised and released as a full price game. If I'd bought this back then and within ten minutes of playing gotten seventy six percent completion, I would not have been happy. This is a game designed for screenshots and not for playing. So to just to round yep. off, to to paraphrase steptoe, it's for looking at, not for playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's and that's true. what I thought of Trantor so true yeah what did you think
0: nice intro wasn't it that yeah. spaceship landing it's alright the title screen's lovely as well really good way better than the Spectrum version yeah um, and the, you have to draw direct comparisons this game was kind of lauded on the Spectrum as being really good graphically and it is and the C64 version's kind of uh, almost ran. There's some really nice touches, but it's not quite as good in graphic graphic terms, really, although it is slightly faster and the animation's are better. But the opening intro screen is misleading, but it makes for good screenshots, as you rightly pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, the game itself, however, well, it's just a run and jump and shoot. And search. We've played loads of these kind of games. This is like a... A really weird version of Sacred Arm of Antiria, but without any of the fun or compelling reason for being in it. So it's got nice looking backgrounds, such as they are. But like you said, they're too small and you're too big. Or maybe you're, I don't know. Yeah. But either way, you, you just, the, the scaling's all kind of crazy wrong. The enemies just float around, get your way, and they don't fit. They don't fit into this bit like an Antiria in reverse. Because in that game, you were a really good sprite and the other, the enemy sprites didn't quite fit. This is kind of reverse logic. So you're yeah. a high risk yeah. sprite in a multi, multi, colour sprite world and it was the opposite way around the other way wasn't it and it was some yes. some of the sprites anyway mm-hmm. so you are a large three at least a three sprites you know he's three sprites big the world's not that sprite big um he <laughs> is he is kind of a big old thing isn't he single colour nicely animated i suppose but the style of the player sprite is at odds with the rest of the game completely but it suits it suits a spectrum game but it doesn't suit a commodore 64 game because there's a kind of a mishmash that doesn't quite work as we've rightly pointed out as you've noted the sprite technique leaves it with black bars going through where you've clearly got raster lines or something or some kind of of, uh, multiplexing going on where they haven't quite connected the dots properly. So you end up with this kind of obvious-looking three-sprite logic thing, which is a bit disappointing because that isn't on the Spectrum version. The animation's okay, but it's cheap animation. Now, by that, I mean that when you're running left and your first time you're like, wow, this running animation's actually pretty good. But when you turn around, he just kind of runs. It's like someone just flipped the sprite in, a, in an axis. Mm. So it just runs. The exact, there's no turning around animation, which I would have expected in this a little bit. So when you, you just literally flip yeah. and you don't, he almost does like a Brucey bonus kind of, he puts his thumb to his chin as well when he sort of jumps and does because di- you can't really jump sort of diagonally properly because it is clashing where it hits the roof or it hits the ground and it's not just, you're too big. Too bloody big in this stupid corridor, yeah. and it do not work. Like you said, that immediately affects your ability to shoot your flamethrower, which isn't a flamethrower because it doesn't shoot out flames. It just spurts out a blodge <laughs> of flame. Yeah. So it must be like lit wax or something. I don't know, but it's just a bit. And so that really means that you're just shooting things in the middle of the screen, like you say. I'm not very exciting that. So you've got this kind of not particularly well rendered sprite albeit that it is nicely animated and drawn, but it's a direct rip-off of the Spectrum version, so it's, they've just taken the graphics and put them in the C64, with some limited animations for jumping and the running and all of that, as I've already said. But there isn't any more to it, and it is ridiculously easy. I mean, I must have pretty much got through this game, and almost by luck, really. I wasn't actually trying to do it. I just seemed to be... And I thought, am I good at this game, or is this just easy? And it is just easy, isn't it? I mean, there's no yeah. real challenge for this. Everything can be one-shotted, which means you feel like you've got superpowers anyway. You, there's so many items to find they're not hard you stumble across um, more fuel and things almost all the time it's not like there's limitations of all these things it's always good to know that when you're going into a mysterious deadly environment they've been kind enough to supply with everything you need to kill everything all the time yeah it's always nice that you know yep now this is that was ironically i know it's a completely different game in every respect but when you play something like the last of us many many years later the finding the ammunition in that in that entire game is a real you know, that's a real key part of the game because it is really really difficult to find that makes that part of the game challenging because you got to think about it a bit if you don't have that limitation you don't have to think about anything do you apart from running jumping shooting things in the middle yeah. doing that endlessly so it's boring nice screenshots nice to look at but boring music will not bad quite nice that opening screen you know, like you say probe did you know it was by probe i meant to say but did you know it's by probe in case you missed it um but it just, just, this to me is a game where they've, they you know they did enough to make the screenshots look nice for the advert, but the game wraps around it. Boring, boring, boring. Sorry, but it is shame mm. really because I think this probably, if, if they thought about it a bit more, could have been a bit, you know, a bit more interesting. Well,
2: but we're going to see nah. this kind of thing, and like I said, we've we've seen it before, sort of thing. But we're going to see versions of this kind of left and right running, and oh, there's loads and, of them. But but we're going to see really good versions of this later on. We're going to get things like Hawkeye, Strider, yeah, um, and things, things, Ticanus, things like that, and things like that. Ticanus. There's tons of them, like you said, you know, Anterior and then, but those kind of, but I suppose that's flick screen, but these kind of scrolling. I mean, even things like ghosts and goblins, I guess. But but the, what they do yeah. is they they have a a, a, re,
0: a sensible size sprite. Yeah, that that was the thing though with this, wasn't it? It was the big sprite, and I think because yeah. it's not a sprite on the spectrum, it's this, it's quite. It's actually slower running, really, scrolling wise, on the Spectrum, but it is a nice animation, and it's kind of big, and it's it just it lends itself to that high res kind of style of a Spectrum, I think.
2: Yeah, it reminded me of that other one, which I don't even know if it got a C sixty four port. That's the that big dragon one, Thanatos. Yeah, Thanatos has got a C sixty four port.
0: Oh, does it? So, we yeah, we'll, we'll come across that with the Hubbard soundtrack, yeah. All
2: right, okay, yeah. So it reminded me of that as well, which I think started yeah. its life on the spectrum as well, didn't it?
0: It did, yeah, with a giant dragon and the fire yeah. breathing and there. Yeah, it's
2: that. And saboteur and things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, funny enough, this reminded me of that more than anything else in a weird way.
2: Yeah, I can see why, yeah. But it's just ridiculously stupidly easy to, yeah. the, to the point where there's, there's barely any game here. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just... I, I get i tire of these running games like this very quickly anyway but when they're as easy as this i mean i nearly completed this by accident so that tells you <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly that's what i mean imagine spending a tenner on this getting home and they're like with your 15 no. year old reflexes 16 15 16 year old reflexes you'd be like through this in a
0: like you know knife through yeah. hot knife through butter. you'd be like where'd that go i remember getting this from j&m software and i remember renting it because i remember the, remember being wired by that loading screen the, the actual not the animation spaceship and that the the one before that, where you see the trantor, you know, the, 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 rock, the rock musician firing his flamethrower. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is an amazing graphic on the C64. It really is way better than any of the other versions. So it's, that's a really nice thing. But it's a lot of money to pay for that, isn't it?
2: <laughs> it really is, yeah. You basically paid for a demo. Yeah, you did. You did. Again. Yeah. yeah. Shame, really. We could have been all right, but just, just not playing to the C64 strength again. Better have seen these no. games, which just port straight over. Oh, well, never mind. All right, let's move on quickly down the corridor into our last one. Our last T, T title and Graham
0: another oldie it's still a goodie Track and Field Track and Field is copyright Atari Inc. apparently anyway so it's a yeah, Konami it game it is a Konami game but according to 1164 it's Atari Inc. copyrighted anyway I'm not going to debate all that as far as I'm aware it's Konami and it's coded by Joe Simcoe Dan Danoff and Matt Decker who to me sounded like a sort of a Rush tribute band
2: <laughs> they are um, just to say though two of them will go on to work on world games
0: yeah yeah no I don't I, I, and, and I'll come are, to the sort like of the a Rush tribute things. band yeah so the minute this starts, the first thing you're going to think of is that ain't no Chariots of Fire by Matt Galway, is it? You know, no, you know, it's, <laughs> no it's, not, it's not. It's Chariots of Fire. Well, granted, but this is the Aldi version. It's the little version. It's, the, it's a bit cheap, that. But this is the official conversion of the 1983 Konami arcade. Now, I played a lot of this arcade because mm. I think it's one of the arcade classics. I think it's one of the unsung, a little bit of the unsung arcade classics. I know it, people do like it a lot, but... For me, this is up there with Kung Fu Master and Space Invaders, to some extent, and Star Wars, and some of those arcades that they were the kind of the founding fathers of the arcade, my arcade experience. As I went to arcades, I came across this one a lot, um, mm-hmm. and a few others that were similar to this. But I remember playing this one quite a lot. It's got simple events, so it's a multi—obviously, it's a multiplayer, multi-event type sports type game. And it's kind of—is it the, not the Godfather? Because I think you found a link to like the Godfather of them all. But I think in terms of arcade, I don't think there was many in 1983 that were like this.
2: No, I think this is this is the first arcade. One, I think. There's a couple yeah. of home computers, and Activision's
0: Decathlon had come out the month before. So it's kind of sort of it's it's sort of harking back to a kind of a kind of tradition of arcade. So it's it's in it, what that means really is it's simple in, in its you know in the way that it's presented. So you've got six events in this: the hundred meter sprint, the long jump, the javelin, the 110 meter hurdles, the hammer throw, and the high jump. And here in the C64 version, you compete in these. Uh, with combinations of waggling your joystick, tactical waggling, jumping and pressing fire, and, and that can sometimes be the jump or your throw or your, your, your changing wrangle. Now I couldn't remember in the arcade. I don't think it was waggling the arcade. This was push button. So this was you had to hammer the left right button. I think it was, and then press yes. the button. So so it was all button. But either way, you've got a waggle You've got a joystick. So you may as well waggle you
2: could it. Do the, you could do the you do the I'm doing the the, the finger movement, couldn't you? To do
0: yes. How, yeah, you could do it how like really that.
2: That's how good players did it. They did the sort of triple finger over you each know, button. Yeah.
0: I developed a trick where if you had a power ball, um, you could just roll it left and right across left and right really quick and you'd just like reach ridiculous speeds. And whatever which way you did it, that was the kind of the way it played. Simple controls. So you hammer the buttons. I mean, these arcades were always broken inevitably because people hammered the buttons so much. But but anyway, that's what it was. And so you compete in the events, whether it's one player or multiplayer, and you take your turn and obviously you've got to try and get over the threshold to get to the next event if you do that and mercifully in most of the thresholds aren't ridiculous in this so you will get there i think 100 meters i think you've got to do it below 12 seconds or something like that and the long jump i think you've got to do over seven meters or something like that i can't remember the precise requirements but either way you've got to get over that And you've got three attempts to do that so you've got to qualify in any of those three attempts to get to the next phase so in true arcade tradition obviously if you don't make it through any of those well it's you know you didn't do it so (laughs) boohoo and everything else and you got three attempts three lives really end of game so that's all the really there is to the arcade it's a, it's those it's probably the one of the founding fathers of multi-sports games it's actually quite a nice little arcade very simple very and it was also kind of already been done on c64 right so we've already had quite a few games that have kind of milked that teat um, so this is quite late in the day for a conversion of this type but this arcade conversion is very accurate and I think that's worth it's worth taking a moment to sort of take a minute and look at it and go actually this ain't all that bad so i would say that this is probably one of the best arcade conversions I've seen so far in the c64 because it is alarmingly accurate to the arcade the look of it the way it sounds, it's got, I mean, the sound is basic, but it sounds like the arcade. The sprites are a little bit chunkier, but they look and animate like the arcade. The backgrounds are pretty much the arcade. The speed of the game There's a couple of little graphic glitches that were on there, but the speed and the way the game plays, whether it's waggling or otherwise, is the same. It plays the same. You waggle the joystick, you get to the end with the javelin. you got to press your button and get the angle and zoom that, and it zooms off and flies through the air. All of those things are here. It's all here, all of it. In interstitials, you get the world record, the little tunes that play. The animations of when you win, they're all here, all of it. Now, admittedly at 1983, this isn't going to break any records of being a super complicated game to do, but they've really done it justice here. So it's not like it's failing in any way. It's just late to the party. Just really late because you know you've would had hypersports, which is kind of really cool and different events. But okay, you've had hypersports and summer games, and you've had all these amazing things, that, world games, and all these things that have come before this. So this is just it's like turning up to the party with you know everyone's fast asleep and they're passed out, and you've come in like party, <laughs> could create a beer in your and you're like, everyone party. Oh man, you're too late. It's like go home. It's too. We're all tired now. It's just it's just it just it's crazy how it's so late in the day. But anyway, so it's a very faithful conversion of a very brilliant arcade classic It got a bit of a kick in from zap because they said a it's old and b why is it full price because it's so old and okay maybe they're right i don't know but i think let's take a moment to appreciate the greatness of track and field because track and field is a great arcade and it's dead easy to get into and it's got real simple arcade logic you don't have to try hard at these events to, to get good at them and there is a real challenge about getting the angle right on the javelin or on your shot put or uh, on your sorry on your hammer throw or on the high jump and trying to navigate the nuances of that and trying to get the, you know, the further and the long jump of things. It does have that. There, there, there's no doubt about it. It has these little nuances that make you want to sort of replay it. And it's dead easy, it loads and it's easy. You, you're straight off the bat, no messing about, all, all ready to go. I like it for that. I think the price is stupid and it is really late to this party. Um, and there's loads of games that kind of do this sports thing, you know, probably maybe better than this. I don't know, but this is a great faithful version of a classic arcade game. And I think it's worth giving it a bit of a pat on the back and a bit of look back and going, you know what? You were late to this party, but I still love you. I think you're still a great little game. Well, come in and have a drink with you. I'll have a drink with you because you're still pretty cool. And I liked it then. I liked this version. So I thought it was really cool. And revisiting it, it reminded me of simpler arcade games that when they're converted done really well, on the C64, there really isn't much difference between some of those games, which if you really do it right and pay it justice, and they did that, I think, with Bucket's here. What about you?
2: Yeah, just to say that this actual conversion was done in 1984, so it it's it, it's, a, it's an early conversion that's been released four years later at full price. Why? Which is, that's the thing, and that's what I think that we're pointing out. So this is the original 1984 conversion. They've released it at full price, Konami have, because... I think Kanabi have looked back and gone, you know what? We've, I don't think we've ever released that in the UK. And I don't know if they ever it had. Is. So they've, they've put it out and at full price. And it, it is a strange thing because, you know, you've got, you've got, you've got Decathlon, which was released on Firebird. You've got Hess games. These games are already, you know, two quid. So it is strange that, but, put the price aside, put that to one side. And everything you've said about track and field is spot on. It's a great arcade game. And this is a good conversion because it was done quite quickly after the, yeah, it came out September 1983 in the arcades was a very big hit over the Christmas period. Went on to, you know, make loads of printed, uh, sold loads of units of it. And it just got ported everything. I think in 1984, the C64 version was done by yeah, Atari, Soft so and Konami. And it's it's a very good conversion and so I, I, I don't really have a lot to say beyond what you said what it did lead me to do though was um it does have most yeah and the, the good thing about this is it does have most of the touches all the events are there and you know trying to get through the events you only get one go at the sprint events by the way if you fail them you're out you don't get three lives well, that, ma- that,
0: that makes sense though
2: yeah it does that's like the arcade it is missing some, a couple of the little small touches it doesn't have the speech of the arcade yeah you're not going to get that no that 4.24 meters that really cool yeah, i always world used to like record that yeah uh that's sort a of little that speech is great the little guy who measures your uh, was that uh jump, track
0: and field arcade though was that what's what's the one with the swimming as the first event that's hyper sports
2: they're in oh, both right. of them because what it did what it led me to do was boot Mame up um and have a look at both track and sport track and field and hyper sports this afternoon oh, Right. so i had a play of both of them and so i could compare and contrast and so yeah that's when i remembered because i was like oh yeah this is all button controlled for these games because um, I've forgotten mm-hmm. that you know. Because obviously this is a Waggler, full on Waggler, in on the C64. It um, and so there's really cool little touches like, like you said, with the javelin, being able to, uh, if you get enough speed up and put your angle at eighty percent, you'll get the bird. You'll you'll get the bird out of the sky. So that's in there. So that's all good. Just yeah, like little little speeches, like the touch and the guy measuring your long jump as he sort of. As he goes across the field, I always like that bit, but it, it's a really good version. Um, I can't really knock it. I, I really enjoyed and going on, to, on main this afternoon and playing hyper sports and track and field. I had a great time. I had a great time playing those. It just reminded me how much I loved those games. Simpler they're times. So aren't good. They? they're brilliant and they're so good. The and both hyper sports and track and field on the C sixty four are really, really good conversions. Mm. I think. I mean. When it boots up, when main boots up, I think it says it's on a 1C, I can't remember the, the chip, it's a 1.5MHz C502 or something, or C something or other, a 6802 or something. And it's on a 3.5Z80, that's what it was mm. used. So it's got two two chips in that one. And that's that's all. So obviously, probably one for the sound and one for the main code. Um, so they're not that far advanced of the C64, and that's why these things work because they're built around the same time, and you can see it. But the sprites look really good in this. Everything looks good. The crowd is the same as it does that flashing when you think it in the background. Yeah, I thought it was very good. I like it. You know, it got sixty-one percent, and I I imagine that's the price bringing all that down. Mm. Um, because it's it's as addictive as it ever is. But and I think that this was the I think. Above and beyond that weird one, that Microsoft one that I sort of linked to. And I don't maybe decathlon was to some degree, but I think this was the forerunner to the game series and things like that. I think this oh, was the, the breakout. And so th- th- I would I would argue that this was the even though you know they looked it because they took away the waggle and stuff, but stuff like Daily Thompson's decathlon, all that kind of stuff, this is where it all came from. Oh, I love track and field and this is a good conversion. I enjoyed my time with this. And I enjoyed going on to MAME and playing the others. And so that explains as well why the Chariots of Fire rendition's not as good as the Galway one, obviously. So 1984. Uh, but no, good stuff. What a great game. What a nice mm. one to end on.
0: Yeah, good's yeah. good, good.
2: And I never—I don't think I ever actually played the C64 version of this.
0: No, I, I hadn't, which is why I was quite astounded by how close it was to the arcade. Yeah. Um, so I did a bit of YouTubing, obviously, to look at the arcade and was like, this is actually pretty damn close. Yeah. Um, but I remembered why I liked it. And I like I said, I always get this one. And is it is it Hypersports that's got the, um, the vault in it, the vault and jump in it?
2: Yeah, yeah. Hypersports has got the um, swimming, um, clay pigeon
0: shooting, Vault and jumps, weightlifting. Yeah, that's right. I
2: uh, can't remember the other ones.
0: Yeah. Was it they yes because um there was one of them was used in a really strange do you remember that um game show that featured a computer game where they would play um Hypersports as part of one of the rounds in the game it was on, I think it was on BBC Kids TV Not um, really. and a um, cat it was it was like a it was a it was a quiz show based on computer games and then they played like a level of Hypersports at the end at the arcade oh, they cool. had to do either the had to do one of the events of it I forget what it was called now I can't remember who hosted it some woman who hosted it I, I can't remember I'll do a bit of digging in if i can find out what it was but i remember that
2: i will say though just as a final comment the hammer throw is still a,
0: an ass and always oh, will you be throat to the back all the time
2: you've got to wait until you've got enough speed as you were spinning and then you're you, you oh, It's so hard that hammer throw it's where i always fail in the arcade it always get to the hammer and then fail <laughs> always i think
0: well, i think that show by the way was called first class that rings a bell actually with debbie greenwood hosting it yeah i don't know but there you go track and field it shows it's showing its age a bit but yeah it was definitely first class because a sort of quick youtube look and it's got a somebody playing um the arcade that looks like an arcade version anyway it's definitely um hypersports they're playing so how cool is that weird yeah. it would be in tv that is cool great <laughs> game
2: you know they're both great classic arcade games and they deserve all the plaudits they get and this is a decent conversion so there you go That's it. That's it for this week. What have we looked at? We've looked at Chuck Yeager's Advanced Flight Trainer well you did yeah. um, and I watched tried to understand someone German playing it we wondered why it was, something was called Radius when it should have been called Diameter maybe Diameter's so that's cool I don't know it wasn't very good anyway Alternative World Games which annoyed us with its stupid controls Survivors which was an okay-ish dash maze game Repton type thing mm, uh, yeah on a budget Tetris which was a flickery version of Tetris but still Tetris so um, I have to you know go have a cold shower and um, <laughs> wean myself off that now we have Thunder Chopper disappointingly not about the adventures of Thunderlips, but about a helicopter with a couple of nice touches trivial fruit strange game trantor the last stormtrooper stupidly easy and over and finally track and field a solid conversion of an arcade classic there you go that's your lot for this week we continue we've got two more to go two more episodes to get through january uh next week what are we looking at uh we've got cosmic causeway interesting Uh, interesting pmh pegasus Mm. Uh, rygar Rygar, mm, Rygar,
0: mm, mm. very good. I remember.
2: Mm, superstar ice hockey. Here we go. Hey girl. Do, do, do. Hey boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, they followed by bobsleigh. So we're in full on ice ice mode. Ice mode. Uh, mean streak, which could mm. be anything. Yeah. Airborne ranger. Okay. That's uh, that's an interesting game. I think to remember Inspector Gadget. Oh Lord, that oh. game is awful. <laughs> well, we'll see that next week. And finally, Skate or Die. Oh, rah, rah,
0: another one.
2: <laughs> yeah, rah, rah, rah. It's a Rob Hubbard one, is it? It is. The Roperwood rah, rah, guitars, in it? That's guitar what we yeah. next week, um, along with what was TV, along with what's going on in the UK TV as well. So we've got, we've got that going on. Just like to say, just as ever, um, if you wish to support the podcast, you can do that, obviously, by going over to our Patreon. Um, I'm going to patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past um, where you can sign up at either uh, at any of the levels that are there. Um, it all helps. It's all good. The high levels get you access to our discord. Um, they get you uh, early episodes of stuff. So yeah, I think But yeah, you you may have seen Battle of the Pilots has come out now by the time this is released so it's gone out for normal but you could have had that weeks ago weeks ago when we put weeks it out to the ago. patrons um and then and you also get this the episodes of this early as well they come out on the friday rather than the monday so you can have this for the weekend you get access to our discord chat you get to ask us questions for us the podcast um you get to chat with us and all, all that kind of stuff um and, and and it's cool you know that's that's what we do you get mentioned in our shout out every month uh, and you also get the you know the the nice feeling of supporting something that you like and like listening to and helping us out and getting us you know making sure we can afford to pay for the subscriptions that we use to put this thing together and that would be really cool so that's just over at patreon.com forward slash
0: zapped to the past
2: anything you can do with that so that's really cool we really appreciate that um and that's that you've got anything more that you think we need to add mr raddings
0: no not at all i think um do take a moment to go and listen to Battle of the Pilots if and when you choose to, because it's out there and ready for you to listen to. But you could, like you say, be listening to it a lot earlier than you have. Could have been. It is.
2: And also let us know what you think to it as well. Because mm. um, it's cool, because it's our first one. with something different. We do have more plans to do more of them with lots of ideas for that. And so we think it's good. Um, but obviously that's us. Um, if you want to let us know, suggest stuff, do so. We've got loads of ideas, but we're always, you know, we've listened to stuff when we were doing this, starting this off. And so was, that's always cool. So let us know what you think to that. That would be really excellent. But there you go. I think we'll finish there um, and go and cool down because it's really hot in here still. Mm. Really hot. It's been a hot week. So I'll just say I've been a very hot Adrian Mills.
0: I've been a very sweltering Graham Raddings.
2: And you've been listening to a rather... Sweaty Zapped to the Past <laughs> and we'll see you again hopefully a little cooler and a little less damp next week.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Zapped to the Past podcast.